Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Maybe we'll Talk to recorded live. It is um, March 12, 2015. It's 7.33 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. I am up in Maine. I'm in Bangor. And the system of talk show is having a little issue tonight. Um, it took a while for it to start recording, even though I clicked on it like a minute previous to when it started. And some other things are going on regarding the chat, too. They're slow and um, delayed going in, the entries people are putting so um, I will see how it goes as I go along. Probably we'll talk about a few things that relate to the recent stories that we've been studying on, some of us, um, and especially what I study on. And um, then if, you know, if things haven't straightened out or if, if there's not much else going on, I'll probably just try to end a little bit early. I have developed a sore throat today, like the worst thing I need in the afternoon, but I don't think I'm sick. I think it's dust. So, yes, March 12, 2015, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time is what James can just posted in the chat. Hopefully he's at 7.34, the same as me, and we're not on a delay for from the East Coast out to, uh, I guess it's mountain time up there. Are you on mountain time, James Ken? Because um, that would be very strange if we had like five, four or five minutes difference in our time zones. I'm just trying to be funny because I really am not thinking things are all that funny. A lot of serious stuff going on. And apparently um, we're supposed to just not notice it or take it in stride or <laughs> allow the, the people that are controlling the world to just go on and do whatever they want, I guess because there's not much happening to stop them in the you know within the the um groups of people that I, that could stop them. I mean, what can we really do? Think about it. You know, we talk about all the time about people should be doing things. People should be doing things. We have been doing things. We've been doing things for several years and nothing is happening regarding the enforcement of the crimes that are being shown to be committed all the time around us. And um this latest thing with Hillary Clinton is just, you know, it's like, I I don't know how thinking adults can look at the same situation with her and have such different opinions about it. It just blows my mind. It's like, um, you know, how can you, on the one hand, talk about all the enhanced security that we need for everything in our life because it's so dangerous to be alive today, and then just brush off what she did. I mean, it's like we don't even take um, so little precaution with our own communications as she apparently did as Secretary of State. And the other thing that I want to remind people of is that she doesn't hold an office right now. So what's going on with this? I mean, it's not like she is a secretary at this point. So why isn't she hauled off somewhere like you would expect 
somebody who's breaking the law to to you know have happen, and she is because she is not protecting um, what she was supposed to protect. That was her job. Um, I was over at Able Danger in the last couple days reading on the website because I haven't had a chance to listen to the shows, and I know there's a lot going on with the work that Able Danger has been doing. And when I opened it up. I, I was like, wow! They said they have um, they have Hillary's email, and it's not them. It's somebody's um, writing that was posted at the AbleDanger.net website, and it says the intelligence source came from Michael Graham. And I looked up Michael Graham, and I believe who that is is somebody who does like a you know news blog or maybe a show or something. I don't know. It's somebody that I have not been following, but I found it a very interesting um, little piece that was written. And um, it was put up on Monday, March 9th. Hey, everybody, I found Hillary's email, all of it, the British Virgin Islands, Road Town, British Virgin Islands, the owner of the Pimlico Flat, M16 Spy, Gareth Williams, Congressman Gowdy, what about a trip to the Caribbean? Well, that headline sounds like what Able Danger headlines usually sound like. They're like a summary within the headline so that you know what's included. So I clicked it open. And there's a picture of Hillary. Now, where did I put those emails? And she's got her finger on her chin, and she's looking up like she's puzzling that she's got a smile on her face because she's putting one over on people, you know. So where are Mrs. Bill Clinton's emails? Until two months ago, that's almost two and a half years after the Benghazi attacks, the answer was none of your damn business. But thanks to court challenges and this little thing called the rule of law, Hillary finally handed over some of her emails as Secretary of State. And then it says, some, in red. It was only two months ago in response to a new State Department effort to comply with federal record-keeping practices that Mrs. Clinton's advisors reviewed tens of thousands of pages of her personal emails and decided which ones to turn over to the State Department. All told, 55,000 pages of emails were given to the Department. Mrs. Clinton stepped down from the Secretary's post in early 2013. So where are the ones her staff decided not to release? Where are all of Hillary's emails actually located? <clears throat> and then it says in red, the sunny shores of the British Virgin Islands, where the owner named New Rodino, Russian for motherland, of the Pimlico flat, Pimlico flat of murdered MI6 by Gareth Williams was registered. I don't know what that means. And I don't even know if any of this stuff's accurate. I'm just telling you what I saw. It was intriguing to me. If it means something to you, good. If it doesn't, that's fine, too. But in the back of my mind all week, I've been thinking, you know, somebody has those emails. You can't erase anything that's been put on the Internet. Not one thing. It's somewhere. And so you just need people that are skilled in finding it. That's it. Anyway, so here's the rest of it. That's what Tech Geek D. Keith Casey Jr. of Casey Software tells me. He traced the location of the servers the emails were handled by, by to a building in Roadtown, BVI, which is British Virgin Islands. Here's what he sent me. Domain, as stated by WAPO, which I assume to be the Washington Post, because that's how they usually abbreviate it. ClintonEmail.com, which resolves to an IP address, 208.91.197.27, using 208.91.197.27 with 
IPlocation.net gives the physical location of that server at the British Virgin Islands. It's owned by Confluence Networks, Inc. If you take the phone numbers from, and then it gives the website for Confluence Networks, the abuse numbers are from New York and Austin, while the tech support number is San Francisco, California. It's pretty clear they're all in the U.S. The street address for the Austin number is 4100 Smith School Road, which is about 10 miles from me. But it's just an anonymous data center or warehouse, according to Google Street View. And then it says using the IP address again with um, the website ugetsignal.com slash tools slash websites on web, and it's got some X's, so it's blocking out part of it. Gives you a ton of other sites that have landing pages on the same server. Lots seem defunct, but not all of them. The ones that are live are mostly spam. Looking up clintonemail.com to get the MX records where the email actually goes gives another IP, 208.65.144.2 which appears to be in Englewood, Colorado, owned by a company, MX Logic, which was acquired by McAfee. And then it has a website, email security dot, and then it's blocked out. So the actual servers getting the Secretary of State security reports on Libya, for example, are outside the U.S. Wow, and not exactly in a savory server neighborhood. It turns out that the host, Confluence Networks, was on a top 10 worst host list for suspicious scam activity. Since 2009, Host Exploits World Hosts Report, formerly Top 50 Bad Hosts, has been examining all 44,000 plus publicly rooted, routed autonomous systems in the world, gathering data on infected websites, botnets, spam, and other activity before combining the research with trusted community sources and to arrive at a reliable analysis of the results. Also on the server, the domain name was www.blondepussycams.com, so all you lovers of light-colored cats have something in common with the Clintons, too. Casey did some more digging. The more interesting part is the McAfee email aspect. Do they conform with the DOS requirements? It says they can keep all the backups for a fee. Are they keeping those? There was a 2008 ruling that said all correspondence must be kept by the feds, but her staffers, a.k.a. not DOS employees, only turned over some of the messages. He's right. This is the interesting aspect. And it's why, as Congressman Trey Gowdy points out, the State Department cannot certify that they have produced all of former Secretary Clinton's emails because they do not have all of former Secretary Clinton's emails, nor do they control access to them. How odd that the Secretary of State would be sending her emails 1,598 miles away from Washington, D.C., and 5,000 miles from Benghazi, by the way. Maybe it's time for Congressman Gowdy to take a field trip to the Caribbean. And then the comments are, is Richard Branson the Jeffrey Epstein of the British Virgin Islands? If not, who is? And then they have a a link to an article at the Daily Mail in UK saying um, inside Richard Branson's Necker Island refurbished cost $40,000 a night or something like that. And then Russell Coleman says, if I wasn't watching this unfold with my own two eyes, I wouldn't believe it was actually occurring. She should be served an indictment for mishandling neglect of State Department material at the least. What is even more scary is that a segment of the American people <clears throat> are stupid enough to possibly elect this crooked hag as president. 
terrifying thought considering the damage our current administration has done. And um, like I said, I have no idea about any of this stuff. I know that we do have people that listen to this show occasionally who have a lot of um, expertise regarding things such as networks, IP addresses, um, and how how the um, servers are accessed, how people can hide things, how they can redirect things. They know that stuff. And um, I know people in real life that could do it if I asked them. I just haven't. But um, the likelihood of her having a server out the United States as far as what I've seen about Mrs. Clinton and have found out about Mrs. Clinton as a result of researching her background and the things she does because of Able Danger. I believe that her email was not housed in the United States or traveled through a server at her house or whatever it is she said last. Um, I think it's highly likely that she had it offshore so that she could escape detection of certain things or she thought that she could. That's just a guess. I don't know for sure. But there are people that can find out. And it's not that hard for them. That's why I think that um, people shouldn't underestimate some of the hackers in the world, such as the, not, the people that say they're anonymous. It's not, really a, it's not really an organization. It's just people who say they're anonymous. Um, so <clears throat> I don't know what you guys think of of that particular thing, if that sounds plausible to you or not. I just found it interesting, intriguing. Who knows? I don't think she's said an honest thing since I've seen her. She's always making up something and then having to correct it later, and the story that she uses to correct it sounds as outlandish and, and uh, you know, just as dishonest as the first story that she told. So I did click and put the um, link into the chat, but it's not showing yet. Hopefully you can still hear me, and hopefully the chat room is going to work correctly for some of you at least. I'll see if it pops up in a few minutes. Let's see. I'm going back to see what you guys are talking about. Um, if it is the uh, the guys doing the <laughs> snooping through our stuff, I just want to give a shout-out to you guys. I'm sorry that you don't have a life and you have to sit in a cubicle all day long in the dark. It must be very boring for you. And I'm really sorry that you you have no conscience and you have no human emotions, and so you can just you know consider that to be an existence of some type. You know, you're not Americans, obviously, because Americans don't do those kinds of things. So whatever you are, whoever you are, it's a shout out to you. Have a nice night. Um, let's see. Looking at the chat, what is in here? And Valium says Hillary owes the government money. She took it without asking. Yeah, I had heard that there was a significant amount of money missing, actually. I believe it was like $6 billion, something like that. But look over here, you guys. Look over here. There's something happening. Look, there's cars going off the road. Oh, and it's snowy. And tonight on the news, this earth-shattering story, potholes. I mean, really. Like, we don't know that potholes develop every spring. We have to have a story on the national news that takes one half hour of the evening. We have to hear a story about potholes. You know, let's not talk about Hillary. Oh, my gosh. we got to protect her at all costs. Um, every time I hear someone say that she's going to run for president, I say she'll never be president. Never. 
I can't see how it would ever happen. And maybe that's jinxing it. I don't know. But they would have to uh, do some heavy-duty election fraud for that one to occur because I don't know one person that would vote for her. Maybe you do where you live. I don't know. Okay, let's see. Um... The, um, I see some talk in here about the cops and the violence, things like that. I don't know if it refers to what happened in Ferguson. But back when we, all the Occupy things were going on and some of the protest marches that were huge, that I mean, they're really huge in New York and Washington, D.C. and places like that, um, the media wasn't covering anything. I was watching a lot of live streaming on um, some of the, you know, Ustream and um seems like there was another one too that I can't think of the name of name of right now, but where individuals could stream what they were seeing live and the types of things that were going on between peaceful protesters and the police at that time, um, some of them were pretty shocking and disgusting. And I kept saying to people, you know, because those most of those places allow chats as well. And I was saying, you know, look at what's going on here. Did these police realize what danger they're putting themselves in? And everybody's like, well, you know, I don't think, I think they're just thugs, you know, and all this stuff. But my thought was always, look at the danger they're putting themselves in. For who? Are they doing it for a big paycheck? Because I don't think they get paid enough, to be quite honest. Are they doing it because they think they're going to help the public? And I find that to be... Yeah, of the police that I've known, there have been some nice people that have, you know, decided they wanted to be policemen or whatever. But most of the time it's because they like that being in control thing. They think of it as a service, yes, but they love the control thing. They like to be able to be in charge. And um, I think it can backfire. And so when I would see some of these things going on, I'm like, you know, you're you're pepper spraying people in the face, like those girls that got pepper sprayed in the face. Or when they kettle people in in a march and they put them in danger, bodily danger, because they've corralled them into some small space and they think that that's acceptable somehow, that, oh, well, some people get trampled and killed, I guess it doesn't matter. These are unarmed people. And they would come with, like, militarized vehicles. They would, you know, bring their riot gear. They're, you know, armed, the whole thing. And it looked like you were, you know, Nazi Germany or something. And I kept saying to the police, no, they're putting themselves in danger because all I could see was that they felt completely confident that whatever they did would be would be supported. If they made a mistake and somebody died, that they'd still be supported. Everything would be fine. And I knew that at some point the public was going to turn on that and say, I don't think so anymore. I cannot support what's going on. And I think we're seeing that in a lot of places. I'm not saying that's what happened in Ferguson, but I'm saying that it's really hard to have sympathy when you see the police brutality videos that are all over the Internet. You see, like, somebody's kid shot dead because he's playing with a squirt gun. You know, you see a homeless man shot on the street. That was something I saw in the last week or two. And he was no threat to anyone. So... It makes it very hard because these two men that were shot last night in Ferguson, they say, you know, they were just shot because they were policemen and there was no real motive towards the individuals. 
and maybe there wasn't, I don't know, one way or the other, but all police are in danger because they are treating the public the way that they are. And it's, to me it's um, a reckless disregard or whatever you call it. It's a no respect for human life, no respect for the people that they're supposedly protecting, which we know is not really the case. And when it wasn't this way, the public supported them. The public would make sure that the police were safe. They, if they saw anything going on, anything at all that was violent towards police, they would get out of their car and go and help. But that's not what happens anymore. People stay back and watch or videotape and put it on YouTube. They don't have the feeling about it that they used to have. That's pretty sad. So there was a lot of um, talk about that today, about the Ferguson issue um, on the Howie Carr show. I was listening to it a little bit this afternoon, and people were calling in and talking about how ridiculous this is because we've had a lot of race baiting going on in the United States. And um, some of it is really un untrue, unfair, unfounded, yet it continues to be said every day. And um sometimes it doesn't sometimes I was I was trying to say think how I should say this and that foolish that I have to even think about it. You should know what my intentions are already because you know who I am from listening to what I say every day. Every time you hear me, I mean. But sometimes a black person can be a total asshole. It is possible, and it doesn't necessarily mean that the reason that they have retaliation back towards them is because they're black, and it's the same with any race. You could say it's because of their race, but likely it isn't. It's likely something else. A person who's been, you know, abused in any way, will retaliate sometimes, and you never saw what the precipitating thing was that caused it to happen. You just see the reaction to it, and they use that to create an, um, an image of how things are, so they have something for their narrative when they tell you what you're supposed to think about it. And what I think about it is people need to be less violent about everything they do. One of the things I forgot to mention a couple weeks ago, I think it was now, we were um we turned the corner downtown. We were just driving we were driving downtown and we turned the corner, the light was green, it was our right of way and some guy almost cut us off in a pickup truck. He was turning left from his street. He was directly across from us. But I don't know if he didn't I don't know if he didn't know we had a green light or if he just felt like we should have let him go because he was already started. I don't know. But anyways, we got in between him and the truck that he was right behind. And he laid right on the horn. He was really mad. So we went up to the next light, and uh, he started to get out of his truck. Well, my boyfriend didn't like that, so he got out of the car, and I was like, oh, my God, we're going to see you know road rage right in the middle of the road here. And that guy was like, he was going to come up and intimidate because he was younger. He was like in his 20s and a big guy and um, in a big truck. And um, my boyfriend was just like, he just started yelling back at him. He said, it was my right-of-way. The guy was saying, I was in the intersection. He said, it was my right-of-way. And the guy goes, <laughs> just sitting there, because he got back in his truck. He was scared because he saw somebody was going to actually, you know, 
say something back and not just sit there and worry about it. But, I mean, how ridiculous. So they got back because he had gotten back in his truck. My boyfriend got back in the car, and we went off up the road. Well, the guy's revving back there. He's revving his truck, you know, proof of point. And uh, we went up the street, and as we got further out, because we were on Main Street, um, he was in the right lane, and we were in the kind of the middle lane. And all of a sudden, I remembered the cops. The cops are right there. That's the police station. And I went, well, maybe we should just get his registration and report this, because that's ridiculous. He's out, totally out of control of his emotions. There wasn't anything that big of a deal, but he's going to make a big deal and continue on. He can't even stop now. So we stopped in the street. And he started, you know, to go up to the next light. So we got his plate. I wrote it down. And um, he drove off. He never, you know, he didn't do anything else, probably because he knew that's what we did. And we drove past the police station. We turned because it was a street right there. And um, we didn't go in. We didn't report it. Who cares? But (laughs) we figured, you know, give him a little food for thought that maybe he didn't want to tangle with, you know, that issue with whatever his anger issues were, because there may have been other things in the past. So we didn't do anything. But, I mean, ridiculous. People are, they're on a hair fuse here. We we just, I mean, a hair trigger. They're just blowing up over nothing because of the pressure and stress we're all under. And it makes no sense at all. You know, I often say that sometimes when you have a lot of things going on in your life, you'll make mistakes driving. It doesn't mean you're doing it because you're mean to this person. That's what they think. It may just be that you're absent-minded because something just happened that's taken your you know, your thought process away. You're upset about something. And um, we've all been there. We've all made mistakes like that driving. But what you don't need is somebody to decide they're going to you know, be all ticked off and come up to you at a light and get out of there truck and start yelling at you in the middle of the street. It's ridiculous. It's uncivil. So I guess people better start stressing civility even when they don't like somebody. And I don't see a lot of it lately. Okay. So and James Penn's saying um, all conflict in races is manufactured and used to propagate tyranny. I believe that's the case. Um, I found it to be very interesting that the likes of Eric Holder and uh, others who love violence, you know, live for it, basically. If I had been sitting there and listened to Eric Holder say one word about anything like that, I would have been yelling fast and furious as loud as I could until they carried me out of the room. Because what is with people? They forget all about this. He is not somebody you want to be listening to about, you know, fairness or unfairness or even anything about justice. He's about as far from justice as you can get. That's my opinion, too. I have to keep saying that's my opinion because obviously other people may feel differently, but Eric Holder is not somebody I would be looking up to for any type of guidance on uh, behavior. Um, Let's see. What else are we talking about in here? Guest 4 is talking about the bell curve. Got to be careful, Guest 4. You could be called a racist for that. Apparently, people don't don't recognize the fact that there are many differences within the different genetic traits of different races, and it's the truth. It's not mean. It's not to be mean. I don't think anybody's superior over anyone else on the earth. We're all created. We're all here. So, whatever you know, you can have people the whole spectrum in any race. 
some people, yes, yeah, some people in some races are better at some things than other races, and it's just the way it is. It's statistical. It's not race, racial hatred. So, you know, that kind of thing really ticks me off when I hear people say that, that you can't say that about somebody. Well, you know what? <laughs> some people are stronger, too. There's big guys that are like football players, and they're stronger than the little guy that plays oboe in the Philharmonic Orchestra. Does that mean that I'm a racist because I said that the great big football player is stronger than the guy that plays oboe in the Philharmonic Orchestra? No. So you can you can state a fact and not be a racist. However, when you say all of anything, you're wrong because it's never all. There is no all of anything. Every single person or every single thing that's exactly the same, that's just not the way it is. Okay, let's see. Oh, good, the, the link went in there. I wonder how long it took after I put it there. Okay. <clears throat> Six. I see that you're writing a lot of crap in there. N6 is gone. Good. Um, I can't ban 6 because 6 is gone. However, I see that Valium. I need to get rid of 6. 6 is already gone. But I'm glad you guys got rid of 6 anyways, probably just by telling them to be quiet or not paying attention. I find usually not paying attention works the best because a lot of times it's just to get a rise out of people. And then they disappear if they don't get one. So, um, And I honestly think that a lot of these people that show up to these talk shows or other shows like this that have a chat, that they do that because they love to bait you so that you'll say something they can use later so they can disparage the entire group or disparage the um, subject matter that's being talked about. Not always just, you know, be outrageous or whatever. So, all right. Um, yeah, I haven't seen Gene either. I don't know what's going on. If Gene has spilled Coke on his computer again or if he's, you know, decided he wants to do something else um, lately, but I haven't seen him either. So, yeah, I would just assume people don't do name-calling in here. I don't think it's productive or helpful. All right, so now that I've gone through that, let me go find um, the big controversy we have brewing in Maine regarding this stuff. And it's being played to the hilt, okay? Um, let's see, which one is the first one? Um, I believe it's this one, our friend Mike Tipping. I have to call him our friend because I'm trying to be nice, but he's not really a friend to anybody that I know of. Um, he wrote a piece, his blog is called uh, The Tipping Point, but I think this is just Mike Tipping analysis and explanation of Maine politics and policy. So I don't know if he's changed the name of his blog or if this is just something else that was published on the Bangor Daily News, but 
he really has a high opinion of himself. I mean, he thinks that he knows about what's going on everywhere, and it just, the poor guy, I mean, he I don't think he realizes that he's ruining his life and he's ruining his chances to be a you know, political commentator later on. It's probably what he aspires to be, but he's ruining it because he can't stop himself what he's doing. And this was called, um, this, the title of this is Maine GOP Senator Suggests President Obama Will See ISIS at Family Reunion. And from what I understand from something I saw after that. No, this isn't the one. Let me let me just read you this one. March 9th. I've been very good over the last year and a half about not posting things about Obama, but this one was too good to pass up, wrote Maine Republican Senator Michael Willett on Facebook on March 1st. Before posting an image with the caption, why haven't I done anything about ISIS? Because I'll deal with them at the family reunion. Superimposed over a photo of the president. And then it has the Facebook posting, um, the actual one, screenshot or whatever. Willett manages to combine some of the worst false slurs and conspiracy theories about President Obama's family, faith, and foreign policy in one meme and seems to know he shouldn't be posting it. I promise this will be the last one for some time, he assures readers of the public Facebook post. The post was met with approval from Willett's Facebook friends who responded with laughter Imagine scenes at such a family reunion and the assurance from one that no need for apologies, Obama sucks, we all know that. Senator Willett, who chairs the legislature's state and local government committee, first won elected office as a Democratic state representative. He switched to the Republican Party shortly after the GOP won control of the main house in the 2010 election. Willett is the father of Alex Willett. Willett, a former Maine House Assistant Minority Leader, former campaign spokesperson for Governor LePage, briefly a candidate for Congress in the 2nd Congressional District, and current National Committee man, committee man for the Maine Republican Party. And um, so Mike Tipping is brother to Ryan Tipping Spitz, who's in the Maine legislature. His mother is a, a psychologist, I believe, or psychiatrist, and his father last I knew was on the city council of the city of Orono up where the University of Maine is. So now that we have attached Mike Tipping's relatives to him the same way that he attached um, his knowledge of Senator Willett to his relatives. So there. There you go, Mike, in case you're listening. Mike Tipping does not allow comments on his pieces that he writes. He just writes them. That's why I consider them to be uh, hit pieces because there is no there's no ability for the public who reads this to refute what he says or to make a comment about what he says. He just puts it there. So you know, it's where's the uh, where's the uh, discussion or as they say the conversation we need to have a conversation about this um where is it there isn't one he just it's one direction his so here's his here's the link to his uh thing that i just read so that was the ninth um um yes dottie I, we had trouble when I first started tonight because I came in, I signed in, and it told me I was on there and that I was coming in muted because that's how I have it set. 
and then it didn't show it. <laughs> it didn't show that I was on the phone. So, And then it did eventually, but it's slow. And I've had a hard time um, listening to archives as well. It's hard to um, download the archives and listen to them. So I think they're doing things um, maybe to show, slow us down a little bit. But yeah, the chat is posting in blasts for me too. So maybe I'll see if I can um, make sure all my stuff's updated again. Probably after they did the net neutrality um, vote, they decided they were going to just go ahead and and uh, put some stuff on our computers so they could figure out everything we go to and listen to to make it easier for them because they could do it anyway, but it'll maybe be easier now. So I'm sorry about that. I don't know what else to do about it other than tell everybody to update all their little add-ons that do this stuff. I don't even know which one does that, but up, you know, let your computer update whatever it's supposed to update. Okay, so that was the uh, one of the later mic tipping things, and we'll get. I'm going to get rid of the one I read off of Able Danger because that website tends to slow my computer down too. All right. Yeah, maybe maybe that's it, Velium. If you had 21 updates last night, maybe some of us don't turn our computer off every night. I used to do it all the time. Now I don't all the time. So maybe I will tonight so it can update. Okay, next one. Let's see, that was the ninth. Here's uh, the tenth, the tipping point. So it says the tipping point as the website name, but when you go there, it says Mike Tipping, Analysis and Explanation on Maine Politics and Policy. And I don't see the tipping point set on here anymore for his blog. I don't know if he's gotten an update and now he's a writer. I don't know how they actually do this. To me, if they put it on the Bangor Daily News, they're just calling people bloggers or columnists so that they don't have to take responsibility for the stuff that's there. But it's there. It's on their website. People respond to it on their website. The advertisers buy advertising on their website. So to me, it's the same thing as if they did have him as an employee. But that's just me. Okay, so this one was the 10th of March. Maine Senator Michael Willett has a long history of online hate and bigotry. I'm getting one of those weird phone calls with a number that's 21 digits long probably from the Bluffdale, Utah bunkers. I'm not answering it because I don't want to talk to those guys tonight. They can just tune in to the UDA and they can listen over. They can hear us on here. <sighs> just kidding. Okay, Maine State Senator Michael Willa, a Republican from Aroostook County, garnered national attention yesterday for his Facebook post joking that President Barack Obama would see members of ISIS at his family reunion. Willa issued a half-hearted apology after the post became more publicly known, saying, I apologize for posting this on Facebook. Like too many people these days, I fell into the trap of posting something that first and then thinking later. It was an error in judgment. You might think from that statement that Willette's post was a one-time occurrence or some kind of misunderstanding and that he actually doesn't actually believe those kinds of slurs against the president. A review of some of Willett's previous Facebook posts, however, shows that he has a long history of claiming that President Obama is a Muslim and has connections to and has facilitated various terrorist or extremist groups. 
Willett has also suggested on several occasions that Obama is purging the American military and planning some kind of armed seizure of power. Willett has also posted numerous comments and images attacking the president, specifically along racial lines, and he has made clear on several occasions that he believes American Muslims are dangerous fifth columnists bent on destroying the United States. The words and images highlighted below are from a review of Willett's postings, mostly over a nine-month period in 2013, which I browsed yesterday. <laughs> I laughed when I read that. Before Willett changed his privacy settings, making all his posts inaccessible to the general public, he also seems to have deleted his official campaign Facebook page. At certain points over the last few years, Willett has been a prolific Facebook user, making multiple posts a day for weeks at a time to the social network. Most of his posts are innocuous, but mixed in with his thoughts about dogs, real estate, and weightlifting are some much darker sentiments. How will we ever make a stand against these radical Islamists when Obama is so entrenched with them, wondered Willett, as he posted a link claiming Obama and his family have ties to terrorist groups. He said no other developed nation has as many shootings as America does. I guess the irony is lost on him that he is saying this at the same time as his people, the Muslims, are shooting up a mall in Kenya and blowing up people at a church in Pakistan, wrote Willett, as he listened to Obama's speech following the mass shooting at the Washington Naval Yard. And then he has a screenshot. No one really knows who the hell Obama really is, and his past is as hard to understand as Egyptian hieroglyphics, Willett wrote while linking to a claim that a member of Obama's family is closely associated with international terrorist Sudan's Omar al-Bashir. And there's another screenshot. Living up to his Islamic heritage, wrote Willett, linking to Obama, quoted as saying, I'm getting really good at killing people, supposedly in reference to drone strikes. On several occasions, Willett shared links to supposed evidence that Obama's administration had been infiltrated by the Muslim Brotherhood, Man, these guys on Obama's team aren't even trying to hide their Muslim Brotherhood cred anymore, he wrote while linking to a fake Twitter profile for a supposed administration infiltrator. He's got screenshots again. Several of them, actually. After the Boston bombing, Willett wrote a series of posts claiming that, the pres that President Obama and his wife were somehow linked to the perpetrators because... The First Lady visited a Saudi national in the hospital who was injured in the blast and wrongly considered a suspect in the bombing by conspiracy theorists, along with the other victims. Michelle Obama loves her terrorist friends more than the wounded from the bombing in Boston. Unfreaking real. What have we done to our country? He wrote above one image. Truth was all Roulette wrote above an image he posted claiming that Obama was funneling weapons to Al-Qaeda and using federal agencies as his personal Gestapo against the American people. The theme of Obama hatching violent plots against the American people is a common one for Willett, and he has posted a number of links to conspiracy theory websites alleging that Obama was purging military commanders and buying up hollow-point ammo. Here's an interesting video that helps explain the gutting of our high-level military leaders by Obama writes Willett about one link. Eleven altogether, and there will, there will be more. Stacking military leadership to do his bidding, writes Willett, in reference to a link titled The Regime of the Long Knives. Obama fires two more military leaders. Boy, raise the alarm, folks. This tyrant is quickly turning into a despot, he writes in another post. <clears throat> more screenshots. 
When gun control legislation failed in Congress, Willett posted an image suggesting that the bill was part of a plan to overthrow the country. On another occasion, he posted a link to an article titled Martial Law Declared by Democrat in Congress and wrote to a friend that this may be the start of what we talked about last night. Although Willett sometimes attacked other Democratic politicians, in one comment he said in reference to Hillary Clinton that, I feel that what Obama is putting the U.S. through will have its roots in her big old ass and she won't be able to shake it. His main focus was always Obama. He often attacked the president in racial terms. I would have to think that MLK would be so ashamed of them all, wrote Willett in one post while sharing an image of Obama, Attorney General Eric Holder, and other black leaders. And it shows one that says, I had a dream and they weren't in it. And it shows, um, let's see who's on here. Well, I recognize some of them. I don't recognize all of them. Looking at it hard, I see Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton and Eric Holder and can't really tell who Obama, and I can't tell who the other ones are. They're women. One of them looks like, um, oh, I can't think of her name, a congresswoman. Um, actually, who the others look like congresswoman? Maybe Oprah, I'm not sure. But um, they're the kinds of things that people pass around on Facebook. Um, kind of hard to argue against that, Will it wrote above another image of Obama, Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson with the caption, these three race baiters have done more to hurt black people than any white person ever could. They have set race relations back 50 years. When Obama visited South Africa for Nelson Mandela's funeral, Willette suggested that we change the locks in the White House before he gets back and invite him to stay right there in his homeland. Willett also made other more general posts about race, including reacting to what he felt was unfair controversy surrounding celebrity chef Paula Deen's use of a racial slur by writing, welcome to crazy town where nothing makes sense. He also posted an unrelated photograph of a black man holding a gun and claimed it was Michael Brown, the young man killed by police in Ferguson, Missouri. One of Willette's favorite ways of criticizing the president is by quoting a somewhat unlikely source, Russian President Vladimir Putin. It's a shame that I agree more with Putin than I do our own resident-in-chief, he wrote, when posting a quote from Putin faulting Obama's foreign policy. Ha! This is so spot-on. This describes Obama's style and personality to a T, Willett wrote, above another alleged quote from Putin comparing Obama's diplomacy to a pigeon playing chess who shits on the board. Sorry, you guys, I'm reading quotes. Okay. Another image Willett posted, quote, Putin attacking Muslims and other minorities and claiming that the Russian customs and traditions are not compatible with the lack of culture or the primitive ways of most minorities. Willett also made disparaging comments about Muslims in his own words. Round them up and airdrop them back into the rubble and hell holes from whence they came, he suggested when posting an image about Muslims supposedly trying to change Western countries. <clears throat> One article Willett links to claims that it's an American Muslim's genetic code to act as sleeper cells and overthrow the United States, creating Amer Islamia. Willett claims his fear and hatred for the Islamic faith is rooted in his experiences serving in Desert Storm. The religion of Islam preaches deceit and lying for survival and to justify the survival of the Islamic religion. They are very, very good at this and other ways of making you feel complacent and comfortable with them, wrote Willett in a post. I experienced it firsthand during Desert Storm. An injured Kuwaiti man that I provided care to had filled me in on this tactic and others. It was made crystal clear to me how shady they are when I was done doctoring up his wounds. He hugged me and thanked me for help 
and tell me I was a very caring and nice man. Thinking about some of the things he had told me while we had time together, I asked him if he would kill me if he had the chance, and with a smile and a pat on my back, he said, yes, if Allah wants it so, then he would do it. The posts quoted here represent only some of the highlights of the part of Willett's Facebook timeline that I reviewed. Due to his new privacy settings, it's not clear exactly how many of these kind of bigoted posts he has written in total or for how long he has been writing them. Last year, when it was revealed that an unpaid intern for Democratic gubernatorial candidate Congressman Mike Michaud had made a series of inappropriate social media posts unrelated to the campaign, the main Republican Party demanded that Michaud immediately denounce these outrageous comments and fire the person who made them. No Republican leaders have yet condemned Senator Willett's remarks. He remains chair of the legislature, state, and local government committee. Once again, no comments. It's just out there. There's a bunch of screenshots that he took supposedly off Michael Willett's page. So you can go and look at them yourself if you'd like. There's been a lot of a lot of talking, a lot of comments about whether or not people have the ability to say whatever they want when they're in a public office. Um, an elected office, I might add. An elected office. So the choice of the people are not the choice of the people, but the fact that he went back to before before the election and scanned through somebody's Facebook is pretty funny to me because that's what I do all the time now. That's totally what I'm on. And if there's anything I can find out about Mike Kipping, I plan to because he is, in my opinion, out of control on trashing on people. He goes out of his way to do it. So... Whether you agree with all those comments or not, I don't know. It's Facebook. I don't think I've ever posted anything really derogatory towards anyone on Facebook. But I do keep those pictures, and I use them at Able Danger, and some of the people here know that. I do them um, to go along with the storyline. It's like, here's another foolish picture of like Nancy Pelosi draped in the American flag, and she looks like she's out as a lady of the evening soliciting um, her next engagement or whatever. Or I have, you know, pictures of like Hillary Clinton looking like she's drunk out of her mind saying, what difference does it make? Um, some of that stuff is made to create discomfort and to um, make people think because the bland nature of the same story every day makes people fall asleep worse than they are. So it's a way to shock people awake again. It doesn't necessarily mean that you believe every aspect of it, but you, that you're poking fun at it. And one of the things that I was thinking about today regarding that was that um, um, on the late shows where the, where the um, hosts stand up and do their monologue at the beginning of the program, frequently they'll say things that make me just go, I can't believe he said that out loud, you know, like <laughs> What did he just say? Because they, they poke fun at people that way. They poke fun at the leaders that way and at Hollywood personalities, et cetera. And um, it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, they mean harm. It's like, um, oh, it's like caricature is for comics. So I don't know. Anyway, so that's that one. Let's go back. What was next? So we have um, 
Bangor Daily News decides they're going to put out an editorial. Now, the thing with the Bangor Daily News putting out editorials is that they don't give any attribution to who actually wrote it. It just says the editorial board. Um, but they have a related story, which is they say related stories as their heading because that's the way their computer program puts it in the frame. And it says Mike Tipping it has the same picture. It has one of Michael Willett at the top of it. And this was um, yesterday morning was when this first went on, and it was modified at 4.05. I don't know how it was modified, but you know what I mean. It's dynamic. It's something you could change. In the morning when you read it, it might say one thing, and at night it might say something else. So I don't know why it was edited or modified. Okay. So this is the editorial board of the Bangor Daily News piling on, in my opinion. This is what they do. They pile on because it started with Mike Tipping again. Mike Tipping told something, then he added to it. Now the editorial board of the Bangor Daily News is going to add to that, okay? When the president of the University of Oklahoma found out that fraternity members at his school chanted racist slurs, he ordered the fraternity closed the next day and immediately initiated an investigation of the incident. Two fraternity members were expelled from the university within days. That is how a decisive leader deals with racism and bigotry. In Maine, Republican State Senator Michael Willett posted numerous items on Facebook throughout 2013 denigrating Muslims and President Barack Obama, whom he wrongly called a Muslim, and repeatedly accused of plotting with Muslims. This saga began Monday when liberal blogger Mike Tipping posted one of Willett's Facebook entries to his BDN blog, Why Haven't I Done Anything About ISIS? Because I'll Deal With Them at the Family Reunion, read a caption superimposed over a photo of the president. Willett posted this to his Facebook page on March 1st. Shortly after Tipping's blog post, Willett apologized for posting the picture, but not for the sentiments it promoted. I apologize for posting this on Facebook. Willett of Presque Isle said in a prepared statement, like too many people these days, I fell into the trap of posting something first and then thinking later. Willett again apologized for the post Wednesday on the Senate floor. That frustration led me, against my better judgment, to make several criticisms of the president that were completely inappropriate, Willett said. He said he voted for Obama in 2008 and was frustrated by his performance as president. We need to show restraint, especially myself in this instance, Willett added. I would like to publicly apologize for my actions and ask for your forgiveness. On Wednesday, the Maine Republican Party issued a statement condemning Willett's comments. We want to be crystal clear. The main GOP condemns and disagrees with the substance, spirit, and sentiment of Senator Willett's post and believe his apology was appropriate and necessary, Executive Director Jason Savage said in a statement. These posts do not reflect in any way the views of the main Republican Party. He then accused Democrats of throwing stones from glass houses and included a list of inappropriate statements Democrats have made. This response is especially ironic because just seven months ago, the GOP demanded the condemnation and firing of a 20-year-old volunteer with Democrat Mike Michaud's campaign for governor who had posted sexist and crude posts on Twitter before he began to volunteer for the campaign. The volunteer was suspended and Michaud's campaign apologized. Would Congressman Michaud himself use the worst of sexist slurs or insult entire religions with anti-Semitic remarks and crude comments about Jesus Christ? Michaud should immediately denounce these outrageous comments and fire the person who made them, Savage said in 
July 2014 press release, I would not expect a sitting congressman and aspiring governor to allow such sexist and hate-filled behavior in his offices. Apply the same standard about insulting entire religions and hate-filled behavior to Willett, and he must resign from the legislature. It turns out the post was not an isolated incident. Tipping later chronicled a long list of similarly-themed Facebook posts before Willett changed the setting on his account so it was no longer visible to the public. The posts were made in 2013 before Willett was elected to the Senate. He served in the House from 2008 to 2012. One post said Obama would always side with the Muslim Brotherhood over Americans. In another post that shared an image about Muslims supposedly trying to change Western countries, he wrote, round them up and airdrop them back into the rubble and hell holes from whence they came. In another post, he wrote that he learned while serving in Kuwait in Desert Storm that the religion of Islam preaches deceit and lying for survival and to justify the survival of the Islamic religion. They are very, very good at this and other ways of making you feel complacent and comfortable with them. Many Willett defenders have said his Facebook posts are funny and true. Despite a smear campaign to the contrary, Obama is a Christian. He has authorized airstrikes against Muslims, and terrorist mastermind Osama bin Laden was killed in a raid that Obama approved, which makes it hard to argue that he is working with terrorists. The vast majority of Muslims don't participate in terrorism and condemn it. Many people disagree with the president, but the hatred directed at Obama is unprecedented that a state senator would join in the false attacks against the president and Muslims is especially troubling. That is why Republican leadership needs to stand up apply the standards they demand of others to themselves and denounce the falsehoods and prejudices perpetrated by Willett. Sure sounds like almost part of that sounds like it was just copied and pasted off of Mike Tipping's piece that he wrote earlier. That's my impression of it anyway. I don't know who writes it. They don't give any attributions to their editorial um, pieces like that. <clears throat> this does allow for comments. And there were a lot of them. At the present moment, there are 661 comments on that editorial. What does that tell you about Maine? Just what we've been saying all along. We're roughly 50-50 here in Maine, Democrat and Republican, and that's why we argue about everything. We fight about everything within our own families, and it gets nasty. And it's why I said last summer when I read that piece that Mike Tipping wrote to promote his book, that disparaged the Constitution Coalition and, and Jack McCarthy and Phil Merletti and Wayne Leach by name that it was going to be bad because it's not going to stop. And he's still in there churning it. So this is one of the – when I said there are names that we need to take and we need to see what we can do about removing their influence, this is one of them. He needs to He needs to go right for, like, a children's magazine or something describing the uh, habits of a small desert rodent or something. He needs to go do something else because his um, his um, power that's gone to his head on how he can just go out and destroy people for money is beyond what's reasonable, I believe. You might feel different. I'm just saying. To me, it's not very moral. He doesn't care about anyone else's family, just his. So um, let's see. Since there are so many, let's see what the best comment is. We'll get the one that has the most likes right now. 
Uh, Larry SG says the silence of the Republican leadership is deafening. That's the most um, likes. And then there's just like a huge amount of back and forth regarding that because, you know, they're down in the pits fighting now. They're pounding each other down in the pits over someone's Facebook post. That's what we've come to now. You can't disparage anyone or they do this. So let's see if I can find another one. Actually, these are all answers like way, way down the page. Okay, 29 likes for this one. I swear there should be a social media for dummies guide that all representatives should read. It's one thing to joke in the privacy of a meeting with your buddies, quite another to advertise one's ignorance for anyone with an Internet connection. I probably commented in some of these, too, because I was saying some things, too. But um, the, the back and forth are so lengthy that you can't even tell where the next comment is because they're fighting within the comments on these. That's why there's so many. There's 600. I'm surprised they haven't closed it. Um... A lot of the people's arguments were, how come you weren't there when they were picking on Bush this way? You know, um, all you're doing is deflecting by pointing the finger over there instead of dealing with what the problem is today, et cetera. Engaged Reader says, Mr. Tipping is merely publishing completely accurate information about a public figure that the public figure has identified as representing his views. This is a textbook case of something that the public should be advised on. Since Mr. Willett makes decisions that affect all Mainers' lives, nothing Mr. Tipping published was factually inaccurate. Readers and constituents are entitled to do what they will with the information, but the implication that this should be kept from the public is wrong. I I think they were replying to someone because I don't think anyone that I saw was saying keep it from the public. They were just saying, you know, he should resign, he should quit his job, or, you know, or be kicked out or whatever. <laughs> it's like um, the people that voted for him might want him there. Maybe they like what he had to say. It could be that that's why he got in office, because they agreed with his viewpoint. <clears throat> so. um, I put the link in there again for you to, if you want to go look at those, they're a huge amount, huge amount of comments. And they really show um, that the people are at the very least engaged, even if they're not um, knowledgeable. They're engaged in the topics that are being discussed. They they really are invested in it emotionally. Okay, so that was... Then... Um, I know I'm taking some time with this because I want you to see how this evolved over the week. And then State and Capital blog, Maine Politics, As It Happens. This is another one of our friends that we've had to deal with before, Mario Moretto. Now, Mario Moretto, um, he, did, he did some damage to Jack McCarthy's reputation and, uh, and um, you know, whatever you want to call it, his peace of mind over the over the past few months when he was talking about uh, some some uh, group that he had marked 
as a, a group that Jack belonged to, which Jack did not belong to, and uh, referred to some email or something that Jack didn't send him and wrote a whole thing about it and then didn't want to talk about it anymore and went on. But he, Mario Moretto really writes some kind of nasty pieces about the governor too, but they're not usually quite as hateful as Mike Tipping. And this past week I was really excited because I saw a, an article about the governor and he had a big smile on his face and he was out doing um, maple syrup, um, like a photo op and uh, talking to kids about the maple syrup and how they make it and they were tapping trees and the whole thing. It was really a nice piece on the governor. It had nice photo, you know, photographs to go with it and everything. And it was written by Mario Morato. I was like, wow, maybe he's going to now write stories that are, you know, not just attack pieces. And then this came out yesterday, this blog, and it's the same stuff. It's the same stuff again. Um, so here's his. Democrats call for Senator's resignation for remarks on Obama, comma, Muslims. By Mario Moretto. Controversy over State Senator Michael Willett's history of racially charged and otherwise inflammatory posts about President Barack Obama and about Muslims reached a boiling point Wednesday as Democrats called for his resignation. Willett, a Prescott Republican, was revealed earlier this week to have shared a meme on Facebook that linked Obama to the terrorist group that calls itself the Islamic State, more commonly known as ISIS. The meme featured a photo of the president and said, why haven't I done anything about ISIS? Because I'll deal with them at the family reunion. Mike Tipping, spokesman for the Progressive Maine People's Alliance and a blogger hosted by the BDN, first documented the post and later publicized a string of similarly offensive material shared or said by Willett on Facebook, including many aimed at Obama. Others were aimed at Muslims. In one post about Muslims, Willett wrote simply, round them up and airdrop them back into the rubble and hell holes from whence they came. Willett has apologized for sharing the post linking Obama to ISIS, but critics argue he's made no clear indication that he understands why that one or the other are offensive. Democrats have called on him to rebuke the content of the post, not just apologize for sharing them. In calling for Willett's resignation, MDP Chairman Phil Bartlett said, the senator's extensive history of offensive, bigoted, and racist remarks suggests that they represent his core beliefs, which have no place in the state house and damage the integrity of the office he holds. Oh, my gosh, now they're going to worry about their re reputations. Please. I can't even hardly stand it. Ugh. That was my own comment, by the way. His statements cross the line of being simply offensive and are in line with the state type of hate speech that is known to perpetuate violence and further divide our communities, Bartlett said. We cannot accept this discriminatory behavior from anyone, especially our elected leaders. In a floor speech in the Senate on Wednesday, Willett addressed the controversy. He again apologized for sharing the post and said that as a former Democrat, he had voted for Obama in 2008. Since then, he said he's been profoundly disappointed by the president. And just for um, disclosure here, I voted for Obama the first time as well. I was really excited because I believed every word out of that liar's mouth there. I did not vote for him again. Let's put it that way. Since then, he's been profoundly disappointed by the president. That frustration led me, against my better judgment, to make several criticisms of the president that were completely inappropriate, he said, according to prepared remarks. 
I think many of us can identify with the temptation to not listen to our better angels and instead to lash out publicly against those with whom we disagree. As a state legislator, I am held to a higher standard and need to show restraint. I would like to publicly apologize for my actions and ask for your forgiveness. Meanwhile, the Maine Republican Party in a statement said that it condemns and disagrees with the substance, spirit, and sentiment of Senator Willett's post. However, Maine GOP Executive Director Jason Savage accused Democrats of throwing stones from glass houses. Savage shared prior examples of Democrats making inflammatory statements about truck drivers, former Vice President Dick Cheney, and former President George W. Bush. You know, I told you I worked in schools for 20 years, paid actually, and I worked in schools probably 10 more years as a volunteer because I loved it when I was young, so I just continued on doing it. And all I can think of when I hear this stuff going back and forth like this is these people aren't grown up. They're just like kids scrapping down in the, you know, down in the pit. It's like, no, it's mine, no, it's mine grabbing their stuff and it's ridiculous. This one does allow comments, but this is on, uh, because it's a blog, it um, identifies the people that are writing. They don't have um, anonymity unless they make like a Facebook page with an anonymous name on it. Some of these people very openly post whatever they feel like saying, and it just, it astounds me that they would do this because um, this kind of stuff can affect your business and um, your family life. Um, you know, this is the okay. Let's see if I can find you an exchange here that's showing what kinds of stuff is going on now. And still, Mike Tipping, Mike Tipping, he's all through everything. That's who they refer to. They quote what he says. They quote what he did. Write your own pieces, people. I want to know what you have to say, not what Mike Tipping had to say with your slant on it. You know, I want to know what you have to say about it. Were you there? Did you read it yourself? Okay. Um, I don't know what this is referring to. I'll just jump in here in the middle because I don't know what this is referring to. But somebody was replying to someone else. Whichever side of the aisle you're on, this is an ignorant comment from a stupid man, pure and simple. And the person says back, Whatever you say, sissy boy. Yes, coming from the oh-so-tolerant left, and then that person puts a link. Leftist hypocrisy is stunning. And then somebody else says, good one, Don. How so appropriate at this time and place. And someone else says, those are protest signs. They're not from an elected official. Perhaps you don't care for the freedom to protest. Even if you're wrong, Mr. Dowdy, you're an elected official, it appears, so you post racial comments on your Facebook page. It wouldn't appear to be very a very bright thing to do if you're elected. Thanks for the deflection from the racist, though. And um, Larry Dowdy, he's known around here. He says, hey, Steve, it's time for you to get educated about me. Of course, you're too busy defending your pals, the rash of crap you're posting. You may have some fooled, but probably not that many. And some of these are like, some of these are like um, people that you see around other blogs making comments, but there's so much in here that even the comments have comments to those and replies to those, and it just goes on and on and on. Um, I don't know where I saw the comment, but I read somewhere this week a comment 
saying that uh, Mike Tipping was just irritated at Willette because he knew him from before. And when he changed parties, it was like Mike had to, you know, figure out why. And so he started almost like stalking him in a way. I mean, he was examining everything he said and did so he could use it later. (laughs) That's what I'm doing right now. I've learned their techniques now. That's what I'm doing. I'm saving some stuff. Some of these people run for office again. Boy, I'm going to be right there with the copy paste right off their page that says some of the nasty stuff they say because I'm keeping it. So unless they have a way to wipe out the memory of my computer. Hello, Utah. Um, I'm going to have some of that stuff. And it's just because if you want to fight dirty, then you'll get it back. That's what you'll get. And other people can say, hey, I saw it. It's the truth. Here it is in front of your face. So if that's what you want, instead of having a civil conversation about an issue, then that's what you'll get. And it's obvious because that's what's happening. So let me go back and get you this one. And now I would say that when people read the paper, most of them are doing it online now, they can't really tell the difference between an article, a column, a blog. They, They can't tell the difference. It's all the same to them. It's on the newspaper. It's news. And it's official. It's like it's the official story. So here's this one. All right, man, there's a lot of things showing up in the uh, chat, and I can't keep up with that right now, so. Um, If there's anything that I've missed that you really wanted me to see, make sure you type it again so I don't miss it, okay? I felt this was important because now we're coming down to the nitty-gritty. We're down to the... um, um, what do they call that when you take a whole bunch of stuff and you, you, uh, is it synthesis? I think it's synthesis. When you take a whole bunch of stuff and you get it down to its essence. Maybe some of my science friends will be able to say what that is. Um, so on the basis of people doing these heat hit pieces in the media and passing it around and sharing it on Facebook and Twitter and everything else. I don't do Twitter. Um, I don't know if any of you do, but the uh, political people do Twitter. They love it because they can instantly, and Instagram, I guess, too. I don't know what Instagram is. Most of the time when I see something that's Instagram, it's a picture, but I think it can be like Twitter. I'm not sure. Um I don't use those things. Maybe I should look into it. I don't know. But they love to just post things up. They don't necessarily expect a reply. They're just posting up their impressions or where they are or um, a link or something. It's just quick, quick communication. Um, But they're sharing all this stuff all over the place. And if you get to the right locations, you'll see all the stuff and it'll just be right there all together. And it's the same stuff over and over. It's like the echo chamber, they call it, where you put one thing in it and it gets repeated so many times that everybody thinks it must be true because I've heard it here and I've heard it there and I've heard it there and there and there. And it's coming from one thing. And I'm saying on this particular story, most all of it's coming from Mike Tipping. 
you could say it's from the blog post. That, I mean, from the uh, Facebook page of Michael Willett, but it actually is Mike Tipping that's making a huge deal out of it. Because if you do Facebook at all, you see that stuff every day, all day long. And it's not just uh, people that don't hold office. It's people that work in all kinds of walks of life. Okay. One more thing on that, if I can find it. Let me see if I can get it. I told you that I'm a registered Democrat. And I'm staying, and I actually put that in the comment section this week too. I said I was a Democrat because they like to uh, the the people that disparage um, the people that support Governor LePage. They like to disparage the people and say they're Tea Partiers. And um, I don't even know anybody that says they're a Tea Partier anymore. I think it's an old-fashioned term now. And I'm not sure anybody even knows what it means, but um, that says those comments. But I say every once in a while that I'm a Democrat, and it just completely floors people. But I am a Democrat. I'm registered as a Democrat. And so (laughs) they still send me stuff because I used to do some stuff for the party back when I was trying to figure out what I should do after that stolen election in 2000 when I was so disgusted I left the Republican Party and went to the Democrat Party. And now I realize they're all you know, they're all criminals, they're all doing the same kinds of stuff. It's just the flavor of the month. So um <clears throat> I opened up my email today, this morning, and this is what I get in my email. I'll say Ginger because my my nickname's Ginger, it's not my real name. It's simply unbelievable. Maine is making national headlines after Republican State Senator Michael Willett posted a photo to his Facebook page linking President Obama and his family to the extremist terror group ISIS. The post was deplorable, racist, and completely unacceptable. But that was only the tip of the iceberg. Senator Willett's Facebook page has been riddled with racist and bigoted speech for years, making clear that this was one distasteful image of the president wasn't that this one distasteful image of the president wasn't an isolated incident. It was part of a pattern of hate speech unbecoming of a sitting Maine legislator. That's why the Maine Democratic Party is calling for Senator Willett's immediate resignation. We need your help right now to tell Senator Willett to do the right thing for Maine and step down. Sign the petition. Tell Senator Willett to resign immediately from the Maine legislature. And there's a link there so you can sign it right now. It's utterly unacceptable that only days after Democrats and Republicans of all races and backgrounds came together to remember the march on Selma, Senator Willett thrust Maine into the national spotlight for this kind of bigoted and racist speech. And only after he was called out did Senator Willett apologize for merely posting the image, not for its substance or meaning. While he may have issued a half-hearted apology for his post on the Senate floor, He has yet to acknowledge that his comments are hurtful and divisive. We can't tolerate this sort of discrimination from anyone, especially not our elected leaders. Racism and bigotry have no place in the Maine legislature by anyone or by any party. Maine Republican leaders can turn a blind eye to Senator Willett's hateful rhetoric, but we won't. Tell Senator Willett, you must resign immediately. Click here to sign the petition. Thanks. Bill Bartlett, Chairman, Maine Democratic Party. And then, of course, the great big red contribute button. They always have the donations button on anything they send me an email. I always crack up because it's usually on there at least three times. Probably if I clicked on the petition page, it would be there too, but they're always trying to get money. Anyway, 
I love getting their emails because it's always it's always like fire up the you know fire up the uh, base, get everybody going. So yeah, yeah, I'm going to sign that petition. So. Uh, there's that. I think I'm done with that topic, hopefully. And then I'll move on to another one, but they all relate because it's Maine. What can I say? Um, I gave you that one. State and Capital blog, Mario Moretto. He has a Twitter, by the way. It's at Rio, at Rio Carmine, I think it is. Let me see if I can find it on here if he has it find it some other place because he does put it down quite frequently. I think it's I think it's at Rio, like Rio de Janeiro, R I O Carmine. C A R M I N E, I think. And I think that's his middle name because his Facebook page says Mario Carmine Moretto. So the Rio must be for Mario. Okay, then let's see what else we can do here. Oh, um, our another one of our friends that isn't really our friend, but I don't know if she realizes that I've been talking about her a lot lately and keeping a lot of her stuff, but this is Andy Parkinson. Andy Parkinson is um, creator of the Maine Progressives Warehouse, and... I think I talked about that last week. I know I was talking about it last night on Main Exposed a little bit in the chat when I could actually post anything. But um, she has been putting some some things on her Facebook page that are kind of, I don't know, they're enlightening, shall we say. Um, and what she just shared 57 minutes ago, we don't need no stinking constitution. It's unconstitutional to need a stinking constitution. Freedom, honestly, where do these people come from? Let's see what it says on here. Um, well, it says uh, State Representative Joshua Plant, so it must be that this is on Joshua Plant's page. Um... And it's an orange. It's showing the page of an orange sheet, which is hard for me to read right now. But it, underneath the thing, it says Representative Beth O'Connor has proposed a bill that would give anyone who has lost their gun rights following a conviction to have those rights restored. The bill is best described as "Guns for Convicts" bill. The Criminal Justice and Public Safety Committee has voted the bill 10 to 1 out as ought not to pass. It will soon go before the House of Representatives for a final vote. The proposal is unconstitutional. See Article 5, Part 1 of the State Constitution for more. And on the governor's website, it reads that requests for a pardon seeking to reinstate the right to possess a firearm will not be considered. Undoubtedly, this will be the worst pr proposed legislation of the 127th legislature. And um, so they're um, writing comments about that, too. But she puts a lot of political stuff on her page, and um, they're just some interesting people that po that uh, post things on her page. And hers are, hers is wide open because she's she sees herself as a political reporter. That she's doing this on her own, I believe. I don't think she gets paid for this. 
um, <clears throat> and she is connected. She, I see her name on all kinds of things where she's, um, you know, liking it. People respond to her. Um, and one of the things that I read you, I think, last week was another attack on on Jack and Phil and all of them that she wrote, and then she put up the, um, you know, some of the documents that she had found. But I'm not impressed. Let's put it that way. She was she was down in um, Auburn yesterday. I think it was the governor was there making a, a town hall type presentation for people um, regarding taxes and things like that. And she was there taking photographs and making comments and stuff. I saved a bunch of stuff off her page, um, comments that were made and who her buds are. And buds mean BFFs, you know, best friends forever. Just keeping track of who they are because it's the same people over and over again. Um, why does Mike Willett's documented multiple Facebook posts matter because they are part of a much larger picture of hatred and intolerance in our country that an elected official has such views as vile. And then she put, Franklin Graham says that Obama's mother must have been a Muslim. And in in regards to the comments on that, this is on her page, Andy Parkinson. I am so tired of the same rehashing over and over. That's Debbie Pendleton. Chris Edward Johnson says the trouble with getting tired of standing up to this nonsense that that's exactly what they're counting on. And then Andy Parkinson says, Kate Brogan said something earlier that gave me pause, as did Catherine Knox recently. If we do not attempt to be proactive in not just educating ourselves regarding all aspects of racism, be it in regards to an individual such as Mike Willett or as an institutionalized part of a section of our society, but in connecting the dots and calling it all out, then all of the petitions and Facebook sharing and armchair supporting in the world isn't going to change it. We have to acknowledge it, shut up and listen to what we need to learn, connect with those who can help us and follow through. I can't disagree with that. That sounds like a perfectly logical thing. But to get to that point, you don't smear people. You don't just go out and smear people just for just so you can take them down. That's not why you do it. Andy Parkinson also says, we, in a general societal sense, my usage of the word was not meant to call out any one person and to acknowledge I am STFUing as to learn how to do what I can. Um, Ellen Harris Howard says, Andy, I question what signing Phil's petition will do. Will it in any way matter? How can we affect the, state, the Senate president's apparent complete indifference to this behavior? And Andy Parkinson says, good question, certainly, in my opinion, worthy of being asked at the state committee meeting. There appears to be no recourse for those unhappy about this to take regarding removing him from office. He has said he does not intend to go. GOP is standing with him with no intentions of changing. So there is an opportunity here for Democrats to use this as a teaching moment, but how and to what end, I do not know. Um, and... There's just a bunch of other things. The seven racist emails the Justice Department highlighted in its report on blah, blah, blah. Um, and Butler Bishop, who I believe that's a pen name for her husband, but I'm not positive. Another idiot on the BDN claimed that in some way Willett's 
First Amendment rights were being infringed by Mike Tipping exercising his First Amendment rights to report the full extent of the senator's bigotry, ignorance, racism, and hatred, I pointed out that Congress had, in fact, made no law abridging Willett's right to prove his idiocy, nor had Mike infringed upon it by sharing his public words with a larger audience. The Constitution does not protect a public figure from public embarrassment, not even when it is self-inflicted. And Andy Parkinson says, you can't fight nor educate the delusional, dear. Hey, I can agree with that, too, Andy Parkinson. You can't fight nor educate the delusional, but you can remove their power. It is possible to do that. Um, so, you know, like I say, these people are well-connected, um, and a lot of them, when I look at their photos, I see all the people they're picturing themselves with because they love to take pictures of themselves at events so they can, you know, build their status. Um, some of the people on the Facebook pages, you know, they're friends with my family family and close friends of mine. And it's like, holy cow, you know, we are very connected here. It makes it difficult sometimes. But, you know, civility is still civility, in my opinion. You don't, if you have a political difference, that doesn't mean it's okay to trash everything in someone's life just so you can stop them. There's there's no way that that's okay. So, <clears throat> and hers is open because it keeps her, you know, viable and keeps her uh, fan club going. So here's her Facebook. <coughs> and in a second, I'll give you the other thing which is her website that she keeps going. Maine Progressive's Warehouse has Twitter feeds and stuff on there, too. So, <clears throat> If anyone's calling in tonight, they should do it soon because I'm losing my voice. I had a sore throat earlier, and it's starting to go away, but I'm getting hoarse from reading so much. Oh, I don't know how much longer I can go without croaking. Um... Maine Progressive's Warehouse, it has uh, LePage Holds Budget Town Hall in Auburn. It has videos, audio, and pictures. I don't think she was paid to do this. I think she went there so that she could have something to write about for her website. Um, and, you know, she has, this is like her, uh, what do you call it, her milieu that she lives in. So, and that's, you know, I think that as far as people being independent and going out there and doing these things, that's wonderful. It's just that, it, you know, there's a difference between just reporting a fact and uh, putting the spin on it, which turns it into something else. And when you work as a librarian, your whole work life almost, not really, I've done many other things, but when you work as a librarian, it's always in your mind that... Um, when you're teaching children, it was school librarian. Regular librarian is a different story, but a school librarian, you're teaching children about sources and how you use information. And I don't feel that people are still separating what is a factual piece from an opinion piece. They're not getting it. They, I think they think everything's opinion because that's what they see all the time. So there's her website. And on the right side of the page is the Twitter updates, and that's from, you know, 
some of the other people that you'd recognize. Okay, there's there's Mario Moretto right there, Rio Carmine. Understanding the LePage Mills Supreme Court decision, four things you need to know. He may have written that himself, or he may just be sharing it with the other progressives. Um, Some of them I would recognize. Okay, WABI-TV, that's one of our local stations, Channel 5. Beginning tonight, our newscasts will be live streamed. View all of our newscasts live online as they happen. So they're just making an announcement. Um, somebody put something up about Ferguson, Missouri. Oh, there's that. I don't know how many people read her page. Okay, Dottie has put up her link to um, the talk show. It's called 100 Years of Law and Justice, 1891-1991. I'm not sure they got to that. I think they tried to get to that, but they were mostly talking about the opinion of the um, justices of the main Supreme Judicial Court. What was turned in the media into something else also, because when... um, when that question the governor gave to them to answer for him came out in the media, it uh, it turned into something else. It was like more like they were talking about it as being a court case or that there's a decision. Um, and the way it was characterized in the news after the decision was made, which was basically that the governor still has to go and request um, the ability to hire outside counsel but he doesn't have to go back to the Attorney General and ask again if she has already refused to represent that side of it when she is already when she has, is still involved with the case. I believe that was what the rest of it was. So this particular situation was because she was involved with the case previously and is still involved with the case, but she's on the other side. So um, a lot of the public that went over their heads. They don't care. They don't really pay that much attention. They just think that, you know, I like Janet Mills, so I'm on her side, that kind of thing. But, um, yep, so Dottie is saying that next week they will be going back to what they had wanted to um, start on, which was 100 years of law and justice, 1891 to 1991. So, educational. People that know what they're talking about, kind of to hear them discuss things so that you can maybe get more of an idea of what should be going on and how we got to be where we are in Maine. People still think we have the Constitution in Maine, and we're not using it at all. I mean, really, we're not using it. So there's a little bit of, uh, um, what do you want to call it, a little flexibility in how they handle different situations, because if it benefits them to mention it, they will, but other than that, we're pretty much just doing statutes for everything, so. Okay, so is anyone calling in? Desert Pete, are you calling in tonight? Um, I saw that you said somebody was going to listen, but they couldn't get a good connection. It is very, very strange lately, the the whole talk show thing has been having some issues. Well, who knows? Maybe they'll turn it off and we'll have to go, like I used to say, go out into the middle of the street where 
in the town where you know your friend lives and just yell their name because we only know each other online, most of us. And half the time we don't even use our own names anyway. We're using a screen name, so it makes it kind of hard when you lose your uh, network. Just so you know, I will keep going regardless. I'll just find other people and do it a different way. But there's no way I'm stopping because we can't at this point. The, we're right at that critical point where it's going to go one way or the other, and I think we've, you know, we've got some things going in a good direction. Um, sit down and and make a list out of who the people are that you see, for the most part, are at the heart of just the ones you see, because there are a lot that we don't see. But at the ones you see, who it is that is um, that are out front making decisions and doing things that you think are wrong. And there aren't that many, I'm telling you. It's like you can list them maybe on a list of ten and um, find out who's controlling those people. Find out who their friends are and whether or not you think any of them are going to step up and take over if those people lose their power because it doesn't take much, just a few scandals and they get driven out they decide they want to go spend time with their family, I call it. Um, all right. Um, I don't know if the chat is just stalled or not. I'm going to wait a couple minutes when I look through my links and see if there's anything in there that looks like I should make sure I bring it up. And other than that, I'm going to I'm going to stop early so I can save my voice. I will check in a couple minutes, see if anybody's called. Okay, um, let's see. Um, Janet Mills replying to Facebook postings on Andy Parkinson's page. That was last night, I think, or the night before. Someone named Lance Boucher said, this is one of the things I love in Maine government politics. The AG weighs in directly to some Facebook chatter and clarifies things. And Janet Mills says, somebody's got to do it, Lance. That's how familiar some of the people are with each other. They're joking around on the Facebook. So you can catch some of those relationships just by watching that stuff, too. She may or may not know him. I don't know. But it makes me want to know who Lance is and who the person was that first said something, which was Bethany Reynolds. Sounds pretty straightforward to me. The governor needs the AG's permission to hire outside counsel. And um, Janet Mills was clarifying for her. But, I mean, does she read people's Facebook pages so that she can clarify comments? I think it's more than likely that it's because these people read each other's pages and they're friends. Just my guess. Don't know it for sure. Um... Um, and there was a link about Hillary's email thing in the Bangor Daily News that I kept, but it was earlier in the week. It was the, it was like probably right after I signed off last week. Um, yeah, because it was it was last Thursday about the State Department reviewing whether Clinton emails violated the security rules. So that's kind of late now because it's been a whole week. There's been a lot developing in that case. <laughs> She is, she's just something else. Um,
I think that I, th- I copied a ton off of people's Facebook pages, and I was just scanning down through them. Oh, Amy Freed, who we talk about from time to time, she got an award for um, some great thing. She, I don't know if it was like I'm a great professor or whatever, but from the school down there um, where she teaches, I think it's South Portland. I saw that on Andy Parkinson's page, I guess. But Amy got some kind of award. I haven't seen it in the official newspaper anywhere, but I did see it on someone's Facebook page, so... Danby is a cartoonist on the Bangor Daily News, and I think he syndicates. I don't know where he's actually located, where he actually lives, but because um, I've never gone into it. But I do know that somebody has written to him before about things that he does for his cartoons, saying that you know they find them inappropriate sometimes, or that or that they. Um, that he goes over the line, crosses the line occasionally. But he did some cartoons related to um, I can't remember now what the topic was. Too many at once. I was thinking it related to the um, ISIS comments, but I'm not sure. No, it was the Attorney General and the Governor. We're basically in agreement over outside counsel, so this was a waste of the court's time. And LePage is like towering. He's huge compared to her. Janet Mills is the woman. So sue me. Budget request, $2 million to special fund for outside counsel is under his arm. Like he's asking for big bags of money. Um, news item. Court gives direction in LePage Mills dispute over outside counsel. Mills calls the ruling between the two a violent agreement. Is that really true? I didn't hear that anywhere. Anyway, here's the Danby um, link for the Danby political cartoon. I forgot because in the old days I used to see them. You know, you read a print newspaper, you'd see the cartoons, but I never think to go look for them. So, they desert peaks here. I'm clicking on you, Desert. There you are, Desert Pete. Can you hear me now? Uh, yeah. Okay, and I can hear you. Good. Okay, very good. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I didn't have any comments last week. I'm just getting used to a single paycheck each month with Social Security. And. Uh, yep. Yeah, it, it looks nice and big the day it arrives, and it's all gone the next day. <laughs> then wondering, boy, can't I budget any better than this? But uh, well, it's something that takes you know takes a few times to get it because you haven't been doing it. You've been living hand to mouth. Makes well, it hard. That's it. So yeah. anyway, I'm I'm making a little headway there. So uh, well, good. Got a couple couple of emergencies uh, uh, wiped out, but. Uh, but still several others to go. Uh, the uh, the real news out here in the West today, from, from my perspective, is um, I was in the, out in the backyard doing some work this morning, and F-18 comes over real low, hmm. and as soon as he got over our town, he kicked on his afterburners and just climbed right up into the sky toward the sun. Wow. And I thought, 
boy, that's a hot dog hot dog pilot. He's uh, just loving to waste government fuel. But then he turned and went a different direction. That time of day, I'm used to seeing him do their oh their daily rounds. I guess China Lake is responsible for patrolling our coastline so many days yeah. a week or whatever. Uh, but that was a maneuver I wasn't expecting. And then about five minutes later, another F-18 comes over, does the same thing. And this guy was low enough, I could see what he had hanging on his wings, and they were all bombs. Oh, nice. Now, if if they're just patrolling our coastline, I mean, logic tells you that they would simply have air-to-air missiles on on the wings, so that if if they encountered something weird flying toward our, our coastline, that they could shoot it down. What are they doing flying around with big bombs on the wings, though? And uh, what day was that? That was this morning. This morning, so Thursday And morning. then <laughs> along comes a third, and I'm used to seeing two of them about the same time, but no, this time a third one comes by, does a different maneuver, and then a few minutes after that, a squadron of helicopters flies over, going the different direction. So China Lakes was running some kind of a military drill today. It was pretty obvious. Very and then, interesting. Then as I was uh, was out in another part of the desert today, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the chat there, I I went out on a limb and bought a, uh, a new metal detector on, on credit, and it came yesterday, so I figured i got to got to go find some gold real, real fast, turn that into cash. So, uh, uh, so my friend and I used what little gas we had left, went out to a, a location that's been recommended to us. So I put about an hour and a half in today. And as I said, I haven't found any gold, but uh, at least the thing is finding metal underground. I found a uh, an old shotgun shell and a... Uh, a picture hanger. By that I mean, if if you bought picture hangers at the five and dime store, the old expression, yeah. uh, you know, there's a curly Q piece of metal that attaches to the nail, and so when you bang that into the wall, it uh, it's a lot more stable than just a a a, a bare nail going into the wall. It's got this yeah. support. Yep. Okay, well, I found one of those. I'm wondering, what oh, is wow. that doing out in the desert? You find that near old houses or something. <laughs> I know. That is really strange. Somebody yeah. It probably fell out of someone's camper or something. But I had to dig down uh, about seven or eight inches to find that. And I think oh, it used well, to be... Oh, maybe it's an old old town. Well, over or something. yeah, as I mentioned, I was about five miles away from an old ghost town. Yeah. Uh, so... Could have had some relevance there. Uh, well, I got to tell you that one of the nights I can't remember if it was Monday night. I think it was Monday night. Um, let's see. Yeah, I think it was Monday night. It might have been Tuesday night, but I was I couldn't sleep, so I got back up again, and I was just sitting on the couch, and it was dark, and I was playing with my tablet because I have a little tablet, and I was just you know drifting around looking at. Facebook posts and stuff. It was really late. It was like 2 o'clock or 2.30 before I went back to bed. But when I got up, it was like, I was trying to think, what time was the first thing I heard? I think we went to bed. It was like after midnight, like 12.15 or something like that. 
and we heard this really loud, low noise, but we recognized it because we don't get as much air traffic here as we used to. In the old days, you just wouldn't even notice that you know, jets took off because you'd hear it all the time, but we don't anymore. So we heard this about 12.15. It was like really low, and we recognized what it was, even though we didn't see it. It was one of those huge cargo planes, the ones like just carry like tons of equipment. Yeah. When, when we've seen them take off before, you know, when we've actually seen them because we've been over near the airport, they're huge, and they look like they're never going to get off the ground because they're so yeah. slow-moving, and that's what we heard. And it was just like, man, that sounds like it's heavy and huge, like one of the really big ones. Yeah. And so we thought, well, I wonder what they're moving because we haven't heard anything like that for quite a long time. So it's like somebody's moving equipment. And I read something this week that there has been equipment sent overseas. So that was one of the things that I noticed this week. But that same night, I had gone to bed and I couldn't sleep. I was like, okay, I'm just going to get up again for a while because I'm not going to lay here. So I got up and probably between, oh, maybe, I'm thinking it might have been a half hour later than than that. I was just, you know, kind of trying to relax so I could go back, you know, go to sleep. And I hear this fighter go over my house and I'm like, holy cow, it sounds like they're right over the house, like the roof. And it jumped me because, you know, you don't know what, if, what are they, like, attacking Bangor? You know, is somebody attacking Bangor? And it, because normally, if you hear a fighter take off, you can tell that they're at the airport taking off. But this sounded like it went right over my house. And I'm not that far from the airport, so it's possible that it did go right over my house. But, so I thought, well, that was really close. I wonder, I wonder if he's really that close, like he sounds. And I look out the window, look out the shade and there's heavy overcast i can't see anything i was like darn it because i wanted to see him if he was there so it quieted down and i'm like oh i wonder what's going on you know maybe they're protecting us maybe they're over bangor because there's something going on right so then um a few minutes later i hear another one or the same one coming back i don't know but that had to have happened probably three or four times in the course of 45 minutes, and then it was quiet again. Well, so I don't know this? if they were leaving from here, headed somewhere, like if they were coming out to you for exercises or if they were going over to Europe or something. I don't know, but they were moving something this week, Monday or Tuesday night, I believe huh. it was. Well, Weird, you know, isn't it? One of those big uh, big transports came over our place. Uh, no, that was last month. I remember that one. But you're right. When when that thing is is flying relatively low, down close to a thousand feet, it shakes everything that's underneath it. Yeah, we. Oh. I mean, we heard it because of the vibration and stuff. But yeah, and it was because we were that window in that room faces towards the airport, so we hear things easier if we're upstairs. Yeah. But but it's just you know. In the old days, we'd hear that 24 hours a day. We could hear jet noise, but it's not like that now. Things have changed. Yeah, that's either a C-5 or C- C-17. They I stop think. through here. They stop through here to refuel a lot of times before they oh, go yeah. over the ocean. But right. it can also be people coming in from overseas headed your way. Oh, 
So I don't yeah. know. I don't know what they're gearing up for, but it makes me nervous when I hear stuff like that in the middle of the night. And they do right. most of it in the middle of the night when it won't be noticed. See, most people would be asleep then. Well, same here. Oh. I get used to certain schedules that they they keep quite regularly. But when you hear off-schedule act, flight activity like that, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, get your attention. And what those two first F-18s did, at first they were coming down from the normal direction about that time of day, returning from the upper coastline uh, monitoring. I'm, I'm guessing that's what they do every day. Uh, so they were... The, the, they were coming from where I would expect them about that time of day, but to abruptly, just as they got over our town, go into a vertical climb, and both of them turned directly into the sun. So it would be about 11 o'clock in the morning. So just a man of, imagine them heading south, and then suddenly they go into a vertical climb, but slightly toward the east. Well, that we learned that from fighter from uh, Field McConnell. That's a fighter jet maneuver to uh, freak out the guy who's trying to chase you. Because if he's yeah, maybe on they're practicing. Yeah, if, if, he's, if there's somebody behind you trying to chase you uh, and you're an afterburner and he tries to fire a, uh, a heat-seeking missile at you, well, if you're in direct alignment with the sun, that missile's going to chase the sun yeah. and it's going to miss your plane. So... You're right. That was a tactical maneuver they were they were pulling, and I guess the the location of our town was ideal for them to use a landmark and say, okay, from this point on, we go vertical, <laughs> and, and they yeah. did. Uh, but uh, but yeah, they they, they kind of then they curved over east, which would be over Death Valley is where they went. But then, like I say, about fifteen twenty minutes later, seeing a squadron of helicopters headed out the same direction. I think, are they invading, uh, what is that, Furnace Creek, <laughs> Death Valley? <laughs> it's strange. I, you know, I think that it's like like with anything, you spot what you spot, and sometimes it means something and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. You know, it it can be nothing. It can just be them practicing. And it probably was. Uh, I just haven't seen them doing that kind of practice for quite some time. Yeah. There's some, I don't know which one it is, but there's some jets that take off that sound like they take off in one second. I mean, it's really loud, but it's very brief. And I figured that's why we don't hear them very often is because if that's in the middle of the night and you're sound asleep, you're not going to wake up because it's over so fast. Yeah. But, well, I've been out know. in the backyard in, in summer evenings, and... I, I will credit the Navy for some level of, of respect of, of other people. Uh, I have seen their jets going over late in the evening, like 11, midnight, whatever, but yeah. they are intentionally very high altitude. They make sure that as soon as they take off from the airport, they go way up there before they get over our town. Oh, so we're right. Our really... airport's right in our town. Yeah. Well, We, had to, we lived with it. I mean, seriously, the um, end of the runway is over a neighborhood in Bangor. If you uh-huh. look at a map, you can see it, how close it is to everything. Yeah. The interstate, 
it goes over the interstate. The flight path does. <laughs> so you can I'm be driving certain. along. There's actually a plane. There's a little sign there that says uh, aircraft overhead because you can be merging onto the interstate and have like someone's landing gear right almost <laughs> in front uh, of you. It yeah. scares you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because you don't know when they're going to be there, so it, it jumps surprise. you. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm about 30 miles away from the actual uh, uh, Navy airport. Uh, it's just that during the day, they love making noise over our little town here, and yeah. so they're they're still not up at altitude. They they stay low, right? They they get up to the the legal what thousand foot altitude, but then they stay low. Uh, until they buzz our town and then launch off into going up to Alaska to monitor the coastline or something. Uh, but uh, um, point I was going to make, just that uh, oh yeah, just that at night they make sure they they climb right right out of the airport. Uh, yeah. So by the time they're coming over our path, they're they're up at. 10, 15,000 feet by now, by then. Yep. Which means right, somebody uh, else is hearing their climb noise, but it's yeah. uh, usually out in a in a very uh, very unoccupied part of the desert, so they're, they're just... Uh, well, the other end of the runway is out towards another small town named Herman, so it's not, it, you know, it's still residential on the other end, too, but in the middle, it's not too bad. Uh-huh. We've been lucky. We haven't had... Any disasters here that I know of? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if my chat board is frozen. or They're awful. They're not working very well at all. The chat yeah. board's not working well. Yes, GET7 was mentioning the difference between bombs and extra fuel tanks. Uh, yeah, I'm aware of that. Fuel tanks do look like bombs. But shocks they're doing a local... Exercise extra fuel tanks are when they have to have extra long range somewhere. Yeah. But uh, during everything this morning, I thought I saw the same pair of planes come by twice. So I don't know if they really needed extra fuel, but I think they were. And it could have been dummy bombs. I don't know. Yeah. And anything that's going on right now is in the upper echelons. We would have no way of knowing any of that stuff. Yeah. All we can do is observe and hope for the best. Yeah. You know, our our part of it really has been done. I mean, we're pretty much done. We see all the systems. We see what they're doing, everything they're doing. There's not yeah. much hidden at this point. And, you know, the little bit that is, like, you know, Hillary's emails and things like that, they're, you know, they're. it's almost like the mopping up point in a way. It's going to go one way or the other. They're either going to get the control they want or they're not. That's really where we're at, the way I see it. They're either going to get the complete control or they're not. I, I but just, as far as their ability to kill everybody, wipe out the entire planet if they want to, they could. They have the technology to do anything like that. So, you know, <laughs> that's where we're at. I just wish that some of our no-better guys could get in front of a mainstream camera sometime and say something that doesn't end up on the cutting room floor. We don't have any media. This is other such than what we do. This is such baloney seeing Hillary and Jeb Bush pushed right to the top. 
It's it's so ludicrous. It is. Yeah. This nation does not worship two families. The media does. But uh, I can't believe the voters do. And if zillions of votes allegedly show up for either Hillary or Jeb Bush, that's crazy. I can't believe it. I'm not it. voting for either of them, so I, you know, it'll save me a trip. I wouldn't vote for either of those people. I don't no. care if they're the only choice. I can't imagine that they would be the... I can't imagine either one of them will be on the ballot, seriously. I I don't even have that in my, you know, likely radar or whatever you call it. I don't have any... I, I don't have any vision of that happening. I don't know who they're going to put up, but I don't think it'll be them. Jeb's not even that popular when they take a vote, you know, of the likely candidates. He's not that popular. So, I don't uh, think it'll be Bush, him. and well, there's one that. one report claiming that, uh, oh, he's his own man. He thinks different than his family. Baloney. He's still protecting 9-11. I mean the the crimes that that GW uh, uh, committed on on 9/11 were atrocious of of just pathetic ignorance if nothing else. Yeah, we all know it get traces back to to London city bankers, but uh, or those of us in the know who have paid attention know that. Uh, general media sure doesn't. They sure don't. I'll act never like it. I'll never forgive him for that election. I'll never forgive him for that. Him and, and his uh, supposedly girlfriend or close friend, Catherine Harris, the Secretary of State down there. Uh-huh. I just I feel that they were doing dishonest things at the time, and I just I would never forgive him for that. Well, of all the of all the bushes, they thought he would be the one that would run, of the sons, and then they got George W. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, guest number seven says they're voting for Hillary. I think they're trying to taunt us. Oh, Hillary hopefully will be in the slammer by then. She's not Secretary of State anymore, by the way. Let's just remember that. She holds no office. So what the heck is she doing out walking around? Campaigning. Is it because they don't want to charge her with anything? No. Well... Why are Boyce Cheney and and Rumsfeld uh, free to walk around? They they should have been in the slammer years ago. Yep, absolutely. I don't know if they can put Cheney anywhere because he's got so many things wrong with his body that they'd have to plug him in. Yeah, but he's stolen so much uh, money for Halliburton that uh, Halliburton can keep uh, throwing it. Better and better band-aids on him. And keep him going. Yeah, that's true. Well, uh, I'm continuing to look for investment and whatnot. And occasionally somebody looks at me and uh, looks at what, what my company is doing and gives me an ear for a few minutes. And uh, I never know what they're thinking until they come back and I know don't know for sure until somebody writes a check, but that hasn't yeah hasn't happened yet. So. so in due time, but uh, at least I'm I'm kind of surviving here. At least I can eat one one day a month. <laughs> yeah, like really. We've we've been, been uh, doing a little bit here and a little bit there, trying to keep 
uplift the food that way. But I've been selling stuff on eBay, so I just sold a couple more things, so that was good. Because it's good to have just a little bit coming in here and there, you know. I ran out of quality stuff to sell years ago. I I'm using my old junk, <laughs> so I don't. You, well, it I don't know. It could just be well. I don't know how much stuff you carried with you when you moved there, if you had anything, but my stuff that I've been selling is stuff that I'm not going to miss at all. It's just stuff I have. I mean, but we did used to go to auctions and stuff, so somebody may, you know, want them. Some of the things I found um, were, um, you know, obscure or whatever, just something I didn't think anybody would want, and I was surprised. Like, one of them... um, I found when I was cleaning through cookbooks, it was just a little pamphlet of some restaurant in New Orleans. It was just like their recipes, and it, I don't even know what date it was. It was just, you know, how in the old days you'd see in a kitchen drawer some little pamphlet. Mm-hmm. It was like that. 18 yeah. pages, that's all it was, and it had stains on it because it had been used. <laughs> I sold that for $16. I was shocked. Wow. But somebody must have wanted it, and it was it was going down south somewhere. I forget now where I sent it. But $16, I was floored. I started laughing because it said $0.75 cents on the front of it. But I knew that it was something special because it was like, I didn't even know if the restaurant was still open, but I knew it was something special to people that live there. See? And I figured, hey, maybe they're thinking about New Orleans because of Mardi Gras and stuff. So I decided to put it on and <laughs> it sold for that. I was shocked. Couldn't believe it. So, oh, congratulations! I, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm digging through enough. bookshelves to see if there's anything else that I have that's unique. You know, like somebody might want because books are pretty good too. People will buy those if it's something they want to study on and it's rare. Uh-huh. The stuff that everybody has, you know, like Oprah Book Club and stuff like that. You can't get any money for those kinds of things, but generally, but you can for like um, things that have gone out of print that maybe are related to the area where you live. Things like that uh, might have some value. Well, some books, uh, you're right, if they're out of print, you at least see high asking prices on eBay. I don't know if they ever sell. But uh, oh, authors like uh, Dennis Cuddy, uh, I bought his paperbacks when they were Fourteen, fifteen dollars each, and I see huh. some are asking like two hundred on, uh, on wow. eBay now. Huh. Uh, so uh, some of the Patriot books that you and I have been reading over the years are actually jumping up in value. Shucks, anything by Stan Monteith, because he passed away last year. Yeah. Uh, and. That's something we'll we'll never see again. So uh, his stuff would be extremely valuable if you have a library to put it in because he's got a lot of stuff. Yeah. Eventually, I'll get through my all my books. I don't know when that'll happen. Yeah. Ugh. So how does how does being old feel this week? I'm just getting. Well, that's right. I hit 64 last week, so. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, well, Does it feel uh, about the same as 63? Yeah. Just 
little different attitude of, of seeing Social Security coming in starting regularly now, and that's something I haven't seen here for about 10 years, the regular income. So that's, uh, that's almost pleasant to see there. But, uh, but I haven't stopped my corporate endeavors either. I still want to get get some of that stuff going. Um, yeah, that's that, it's really it's so it's so bizarre how things have gone because who would have ever thought we'd get to this point? Well, you know, yeah. I certainly didn't. Twenty years ago, I didn't think I'd ever see anything that looked like this. I thought, you know, when they would, some people would say, "Well, it could happen." I was like, "Yeah, it could, but it's not likely," because it doesn't serve them. You know, you put that in your mind. What serves them? The ones that organize everything. It doesn't serve them to have everybody broke because if everybody's broke, nothing's going to be moving. And they can't do anything themselves. They are pretty helpless. So I'm just trying to figure out what they have in their mind <laughs> because do they think everything is going to be automated and they won't need any workers? Or you know, what are they thinking? Because well, I'm tired from prospecting all afternoon. I can't remember the numbers, but, man, the... The actual number of people out of any kind of employment or that are underemployed are just atrocious. It, what, 90 million people are out of the workforce and into, well, what, 40-some million on food stamps. But uh, I think the number was something, somewhere around 90 million people, adults with job skills, can't find one. Yep. And they've gone over to something else, moving in with their parents or something, which you can only do up until you're about 30 or 40. And then much after that, you don't have any parents to move in with. So you got to find something better. You've got to find an alternative. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, it's pathetic. You know, I had an almost funny conversation with a bill collector today. Uh and well, it was my our cell phones for the for the company. Uh, we had to shut them yeah. off because we we couldn't keep them going. Yeah, I canceled mine this week too. It must be a bad week for cell phone companies. Yeah, <laughs> I canceled mine this week too. Both. Well, so I I told them well, I think we might be able to restart them by the end of April. I said there's nothing to send you right now. But I said, I, yeah. I do see something on the horizon, so we might get get all our bills brought current by the end of April. And she was ecstatic. And I thought, this is odd. <laughs> yeah, yeah And really. so I, I had a short conversation with the, with the obviously young lady, and she understood completely because she said she had been laid off for a year <laughs> and, and understood what happens when your income completely stops. And I said, well, yeah, that happened for our business. Everything just came to a, an abrupt stop there. And yeah. uh, we're trying to clean things up. So anyway, she was thrilled to know that we I wanted to come back with them as a cell phone carrier when uh, when we could pay the bill. So, uh, so now i got a new goal. I, I found a, a cutoff date that if I can pay it by such and such a date that I can save our old phone numbers. Otherwise, we're going to have to start with yeah. new phone numbers for everybody. Well, that, that's pretty much what kept us going as long as we did because we – we were like, we got to get rid of these phones because we never have them when we need them. When you're in crisis because you've got everything going wrong is when you need the phone. 
Yeah. And that's when it's shut off because it's not the priority if you have to heat something or eat. It's not the priority. So oh. when I called, this, this was funny because when you said it, I had forgotten all about this. And it was only yesterday, I think, that I did this. I called up and I said, I'm going to... You know, I got my my uh, bill from the cell phone company, and I said, and I'm I am going to cancel it. It costs like a hundred dollars to reinstate it because it's fifty dollars per line the last time that it happened. So I don't know if it's changed, but that's a lot of money for just reinstating it. I said, as you can see, I don't even use it that much. I said, and I never have it when I need it because that's when the crisis is, right? <laughs> I never have it. So I said, I've been without it, and. Um, I said, and in the summer, when everything's going good, I don't even use it that much to just talk to people on. So I don't care. I said, it's just going to have to go. And the guy says, oh, okay, you know, like that. And he he was talking to me, and I said, and while he's typing or doing whatever he, he's doing, I said, and I'm really worried about you guys. And he goes, what? <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, I'm worried about you guys. I said, you sound like you're young. He says, yeah, like, you know, I'm younger or whatever like that. And I said, well, I'm worried about you guys. And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, I think you don't even understand about cell phones. I said, we're paying for somebody to track us and keep track of everything we do and spy on everything we do. And I said, and you guys think it's so cool because you can take your phone and go buy gas with it now. You can touch it to some of these gas pumps and stuff. I said, you don't even know. You don't even know what's coming. And he says, oh, I think I have an idea. And I said, well, I'll tell you that the people that, the people my age completely see it. We can see it. And uh, I said, I'm just done with it. I don't want a cell phone anymore. I don't care if I ever have one again. I said, you need to be thinking about that, what it is. I said, because all this technology can be used for good, and it can also be used for bad, and it is being used for bad. And he goes, well, I appreciate you telling me that. It was so funny because I don't even know where it came from or why. It was just like I always say, if God tells me to tell him, I tell him. Like, this is the person that you're supposed to tell. So I get all done, and he says, well, I appreciate it. He says, I just want you to know that I do keep up on that stuff, and I understand what you're saying. I said, good. I said, I don't know why I decided I was going to tell you all this today. I said, but maybe because I know you'll tell someone else. And he said, oh, yeah. He says, we talk about it. I said, good, because you need to. I said, I'm worried about you guys because I'll be gone. You'll still be here, hopefully. You know, we don't know, but the future generations we hope are going to be here. And I don't want them to have to live in a life that looks like the movie Cloud Atlas, which I keep telling people this week, too, because they go, I don't think it's going to get that bad. I go, have you ever seen the movie Cloud Atlas? They go, no, what's that? And I said, you need to see it. Then you'll get it because it's one of those futuristic you know, societies where everything is made functional and supposedly so much better. You know, you recognize it immediately when you see it. People getting turned off because they're done. (laughs) They're not useful anymore. They're turned off. It's just, you know, they look alike. They dress alike. They do everything the same. It's a very automated type scenario. And it's, the the thing I remember the most about it was the girl that she kept saying, I do not consent, <laughs> like, because she knew that was, you know, what you could say and means that you're not participating. But she had to because resistance was futile kind of thing. But if you haven't seen that movie, make sure you see it. <laughs> Let me write it down. And I think it was a book, too. I think it was a book. 
It's called, what, what was the title again? I just put it in the chat, too. Um, Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas, okay. Yeah. And I think Cloud Atlas, if I recall, was a, it starts out as like a, um, a musical piece. So it, it, I don't remember if it was like a time travel thing or one of those things where there were like little scenarios from different time periods, but it's like this guy is talking to a composer at the piano and and so I'm not sure if he was fantasizing this futuristic world or whether it was just a, like a time thing, because I haven't seen it in a while. It's been a few years since I saw it. But when I saw it, it had a huge impact, because it was like, there it is, right there. There's the society where you have all your population under control, and all the systems are in place, and you don't break from what the system does or it tells you to do. And it's just you don't have any choice. And I see it all around us. I see that we won't have a choice. We will be doing these things. When you're this age, you do this. And when you're this age, you do this. And it will all be mapped out for efficiency. And what do they call that? I think they call it a like a technological dictatorship or something like that. Scientific dictatorship. Oh, I... Uh... Thing I wanted to discuss quickly tonight. Uh, did you watch either of those two alternative news network attempts that started oh late last year and only lasted about six months? And now neither one of them has any programming. One was uh, out of Chicago, run by a, a guy by the name of Gary Franchi or Gary Frankie. Not sure how to pronounce the last name. Uh, and it was called ne Next News Network. Next News Network, and he did some pretty good reports on on a good, uh, honest view on a lot of things. But uh, you go to his, his network now, and it's just playing 24-hour, some multi-level marketing promotion of a of a gold charge card or something. And he's not doing oh. any news reports other than. Over on Rumor Mill, every now and then somebody finds him doing one report on one topic, I don't know, like Ferguson or something, yeah. and he'll have a, a five-minute report on that, and then that's it. But he used to have a 24-hour network of just constant news reports. I'm sorry I to say, it looks like he him. just ran out of money. I don't know, but a rustic watchman has just had a change. Did you know that? Jack and, and them? No. What's happening? They, um, the station is going to um, some other type of talk, I guess, or something. Anyway, he's going to be doing Aroostook Watchman on Saturday mornings, I believe, and then Roger Eck, the Northern Maine Landman, right after. But he's not going to be doing them during the week because they don't have they don't have the same the same deal going on with WBCQ, which is the um, over the air transmitter, uh -huh. the radio, the radio station up there, and that related to money as well. It was, you know, people have to make money, and things are changing well, that's very it. fast. So, you can't count on anything from one day to the next. It's very difficult to plan. But he's he's had the rug pulled out from under him up there again. So yeah, well, the uh, yeah. the financial term is they didn't have a good business model. Um, Somebody's got to take an honest look at that, and I know I've had to. I had one yeah. critic saying, oh, he doesn't know anything about business. He just talks about his product, and he 
doesn't know how to show a, a cash revenue. Well, I, honestly, I don't. Uh, I just thought that uh, as I was brought up, is you build a better mousetrap and the world beats a path to your door. Well, yeah. you got to be able to build it in quantity for one thing, in quantity and quality, and the world has to know about it before the world will beat a, a path to your door. And the cost of making a quality product and the cost of letting the world know about it are exorbitant. Yeah. Those two things don't happen with just a good idea. And another millionaire I've heard rambles on with a with a very offensive comment that is unfortunately true. And he says, ideas are worthless. Implementation is everything. And the example he gives, he says, even people in a coma probably have ideas jumping around in their head. But if they can't implement it, it's not doing anybody any good. So, yeah, that's the raw fact of life. And when implementation requires the help of other people, you usually need to offer them paychecks. And helping somebody on extended promises can only work so long before they're hurting. So you got to come up with paycheck money, and that requires early investment by somebody. Maybe from your own savings or maybe from an outside investor. And I yeah. have no savings left, so I'm, that's why I've been struggling to try to find outside investors for, for my activities. Um, well, I don't, I'm not sure what's going to happen as far as the overall um, picture of, of the future because it could go that people do what they want to do and, and they won't need to worry about it because the, the whole system may change. The system we're in now, we need to do it the same way, but it could change where it isn't that way anymore. You know, I don't know what's coming for sure. We're creating our own life. I was just saying in the chat because um, Guest 7 said that that movie had a budget of $100 million and all the money was to condition the minds, not to create anything physical, just brainwashing. Well, that's what Hollywood does. We know that part. Well, that so is we're it. actually creating the, world, creating the world we want, so we have to do what we think should be happening and ignore all that stuff. Put it on the side, you know. Uh, I that know comment do. is quite true. Uh, it is, yeah. From, from working in Hollywood and just l watching the budgets of stuff going on around me, they were spending as much money in promotion as they did to make the movie, even with big celebrity talents. So they drop $50 million to make the movie, and then they spend another $50 million just to promote it. Right. And I thought, that's crazy. But that's what television and repeat, uh, hammer it down your throat every 30 minutes, television ads cost. So uh, Back in the old days when I went to school um, at the university, I was taking like night classes. Trying, I thought I was going to finish my degree at some point, which I never did. But I did take classes, and one of them was advertising. And I always remember that there was like a little quiz they gave us, and it was just, you know, old old catchphrases from ads. Mm -hmm. And it, everybody got 100 on it, because <laughs> of course you would, because you heard those ads like a million times growing up. You'd know, good to the last drop, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, and it was all based on that, that it was repeated, repeated, repeated. Yep, repetition. They create, excuse me? 
Repetition, yeah. Yeah, it create and it also creates. Um, well, it, now the word has become more mainstream because they're using it on Facebook. Meme, it creates a meme in the society, which is something that is easily recognizable. It's like a, you know, a. It's almost like a truisms or something. You know, when somebody says, "Well, yeah," um, now I can't think of any of them. But you know what I'm saying. The the things that people commonly know and believe in a certain society. Yeah. And that's well, how advertising is. It makes you believe certain things because you see it all the time. Everybody recognizes Campbell's soup. Yeah. But you look at the shelf in the store, and there might be a half a dozen other soups on the, the shelf that are ten times more healthy. Yeah. And maybe even a reasonable price, but you never heard of them before. So you're taking yeah. a chance. Do I buy this other brand the of one soup? The one I know, not? yeah. Or, or, or the, the one, one I, I know since I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely. But we, I mean, we relate all that stuff. And what do you think when you, like, if I said Vicks VapoRub, you know, there are certain hmm. things that you'll think immediately when I say Vicks VapoRub. Yep. You know, and most of the people that are listening would have the same thing in their mind. Advertising, you know. Very true, and uh, it's not cheap. Um, Common experiences. Yeah, well, that's why the cost of the White House is so insane, is the cost of television time. And they just want to have the the name of that person in front of your head so that when you go into the voting booth, that's the only person you can remember. And that's... uh, So you're not so much paying off Crooks, as uh, <laughs> other than the money that's behind a candidate, all goes to the TV stations around the country is where it's going. So yeah, you can call the TV station a crook. I'll hand you that. But uh, just the the cost of media is why each one of these uh, elections is is so atrocious. Oh, the other uh, upstart TV station that appears to have failed for lack of money is David Ikey's. Uh, David oh, Ice. Really? He uh, started that uh, People's Choice Network about the same time as Next News Network, uh, late 2013, I think is when when they both started. And uh, David Icke produced quite a few very good interviews uh, of uh, like Ken O'Keefe. Uh, yeah. Those were done at uh, at, at Icke's, uh studio there in in England, but. Uh, where is he? He's in, in London. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, they're not producing anything. You go to his channel, and it's it just has a, a stock 30-second promo for the People's Choice Channel Number 2. And, well, whatever happened to Channel Number 1? They aren't producing anything because they ran out of money. So that's the only trouble with getting a chunk of startup money, which both of those guys did, because both of them were putting out very good quality videos. They had good equipment, good audio, and somewhat of a decent stream so that you could actually see usable video and you heard everybody. It wasn't the the constant problem we have with Able Danger of the stream buffering. (laughs) Yeah. Do you and, think that they're uh, actually giving up because they're out of money or because they're 
going to the bunkers and hiding out now. No, I think they ran out of money. Because I, I, I would I, think they would just be constantly funded, those people. I, I don't see SWAT teams coming in and kicking down the doors yet. Uh, no, but there's so, some, uh, uh, I forget who was talking about, where did I see it? I don't know, Godlight Productions or somewhere was talking about some threat they thought was coming on uh, Washington, D.C., and they were wondering who was still there and who had left town and stuff, and I don't know if that was supposed to be this week or what it was, but you know how there's always somebody saying there's a threat coming. Yeah. We call it doom. It's the people that look for doom on Godlike Productions. Yeah, well. They have to have something going on. The sun, the sun did something this week, so they call them doom... Oh, they call everything tards on there. I know that's not politically correct, but they call everything tards, like doom tards, solar tards, whatever people worry about. Well, fear-mongering. Yeah, it's just... Those are memes for the godlike productions community. They have certain things they say, like, should I take my tomato plants in? They have certain things that that group has as a little repetitive thought. Yeah, uh, well, to an extent, Ben Fulford does that, of uh, yeah. what his latest claim is, was that CAA was shut down. Well, no, not quite. Uh, mm-hmm. Something happened a couple of weeks ago. I don't know what it was. I don't think it affects any of us. Some internal thing in CIA. Uh, but, uh, well, the sun came up this morning, and... Yeah, the sun so far. I took some pictures of some stuff in the backyard just to prove it. And uh, yeah, it was another thing I put in the chat. We're, we're having spring out here. Now, is, is your snow melted yet? or? No, <laughs> but it's, oh boy. it's gone down some, but we're supposed to get snow again, like, this weekend. Um, I don't know. It's very bizarre, but the temperatures have gone up. So that's I think that even if it does snow, it's going to continue to melt because now our sun is more, you know, it's higher in the sky and it's a lot warmer when you're out in a protected area. You can feel that it's a lot warmer. We've had several days in a row of mid-70s and flirting with 80, and out popped the the flowers that I haven't seen in two years because last year, remember, was our drought, and nothing bloomed. Uh, Cactus was almost dying on me. Yeah. But uh boy the flowers are coming back in uh in quantity now. And thank God I looked real close at several of the flowers and I was afraid that because of radiation they I'm I would start seeing deformities. I have not seen one deformity deformity hmm. yet. Yeah. Uh they seem to be coming back natural. The only weird thing, oh, I got to mention this. Uh, two mornings ago, uh, sun had only been up an hour, and I stepped out in the backyard, and we had no wind yet uh, for the day. And the fragrance of all these blooming flowers was beautiful. But as I looked around, there were no bees to be found. Not really. None. To have that much flower fragrance, even out here in the desert, 
we've always had bees. But not this year. I'm not seeing any bees at all. With all those great-smelling flowers to go buzzing through, and there aren't any bees to do it. So we, we've heard that comment on Rumor Mill and elsewhere of the yeah. bees disappearing. My gracious, this year, I think, is when they have, at least out here. Well, if my if my former brother-in-law is around long enough for me to get a chance to go visit, because <laughs> we've never gone down there, um, then uh, I'll ask him in person about the bees because he used to belong. He was like um, up in the upper echelons of the beekeeper, whatever association uh-huh. of the United States. He knows tons about bees because he's a beekeeper or was, and. Um, I remember when they first were having what they called the colony collapse uh, problem and no one knew why. Well, that's about the last I talked to him about it, and that was, gosh, I don't know, 15 well, years ago. I've heard several theories. I'd like to hear a, a professional's viewpoint on it. Yeah. One was r- blaming it on Roundup and another yeah. on, on cell phones, the electromagnetic uh, uh, I think it's going to turn out to be electromagnetic in nature myself, but I know we have toxins in the environment and GMO crops and things like that, but to me, the problem is that they can't find their way back to their colony. It's not that they're poisoned so much as that they just can't get back, and they have to get back. They can't just, like, fly around as solo, you know. (laughs) They have to get back to the colony, and if they can't find it, I think their their navigation, whatever it is, is being messed with. That's what I think is happening to them. Very possible. James can say GMO flowers kill bees. Back then they weren't talking about GMO. They may have had some, but it wasn't as bad as now, though. Yeah. And it was happening then, so I don't know. My jury is still out, but I'm I'm open to suggestions there. And I, I if if you know uh, somebody in the beekeeping industry, yeah, I'd like to hear what what they have to say next week. Yeah, he. I don't think he um, likes to, you know, talk on the phone and stuff. So it might have to be this summer sometime. Because I'm hoping to take a huge road trip and just go visit all these people that I haven't seen in a long time. <laughs> and I'd love to go down there. Well, he lives in Florida, northern Florida, near the um, like where um, all the swampy areas of Florida are up at the yeah. top where the panhandle starts to go over. I think it's in there. I think that's near Tallahassee and like in there somewhere. I haven't looked at a map in a long time, but it's some little crossroads out in the boonies of that part of Florida. That's where he lives. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, same here. If, uh, Like I say, I'm a little optimistic on some potential good things for my company in, in late April or May. And I might actually be able to get a car again and uh, be able to take a cross-country trip and see a lot of business associates I've emailed and chatted with here for several years and haven't been able to see them face-to-face. So I need to yeah. do a cross-country trip and, uh, and touch base with several of them. Uh, oh, uh, something I forgot to mention when we were on the topic of cell phones. Uh, I just learned something. You probably had several friends who already knew this, and it's, it's just finally coming to my attention uh, the reason a lot of us had outrageously high cell phone bills is because we bought the phone from the cell phone 
provider service provider. Uh, well, I was using Verizon as who, and I didn't realize it at the time, but I was paying like an extra ten or fifteen dollars a month just to buy that phone. And you're locked in on a two-year contract, so you end up paying twice what that phone is worth. Yeah. Uh, so I took the time to uh, look up how much cell phone X actually cost over at Amazon.com or someplace. Yeah. And it was reasonably cheap. And then I uh, I went into a Verizon store and said, how much if I get the cell phone somewhere else and I just have you activate it for the, for the service. And it was, uh, I about fell over when he, he said, oh yeah, we'll give you unlimited talk and unlimited text for 45 a month for one phone. You mean I don't have to worry about business minutes at all? No, it's unlimited talk and text for 45 a month if you already own the phone, which you might be able to pick depending on what kind of phone you would get. It's up to you what, what quality phone you want to get. Yeah. Uh, but, my gracious, the money I could have saved over the years if I had known that. Because I've been sweating the <laughs> to beat all over worrying about matching my number of business minutes and, oh, if I go into overtime and my... My business minute uh, uh, rate suddenly doubles on me. Uh, well, if if you buy the phone somewhere else and then just have them sell you the service, it's cheaper. So anyway, just a, a passing thought there. If you if yeah. you get back on your feet enough to, uh, to consider getting another phone. Well, I I just you know off and on the past couple of years I've been saying why do we even have them? I mean it's nice to be in touch and everything. Um, when we're out running around doing things or whatever, but honestly, it, it's not that big of a deal. I don't feel like it is. To match that, I mean, to contrast that with the fact that it, it's all over everywhere now. I mean, if you look at anything that they, these crime shows and everything, they're always looking at people's cell phone records. Why do I want somebody using something that I'm paying for in a negative way against me. I don't understand why people would stand for that, but they do. It's like, that's your phone. You pay for it. Are you crazy, you know? Yeah. Because you're paying for something that someone's using against you. Let them pay for it if they want you to carry it around so, for their convenience, you know? It doesn't make any sense to me. But well, I'm, I, I'm... I, that made me really mad when I started seeing some of the stuff that they they're taking for granted, the customer's the cell phone customers, because you don't have to have that. You don't need it for survival, contrary to pub, you know, public opinion on that. You don't need it for survival. Well, it's I nice know. to have it, but you don't have to have it. It's it's definitely become an addiction to a lot of people, uh, smartphones especially. And I mean, how much in touch do you need to be? They're well, not really phones anymore anyway. They're little devices. They're computers. Well, that was another thing when I was, when I was shopping for uh, the, the reason I'm looking at cell phones again and, and the hopes of, of getting it started is I, I may have a lot of travel in front of me here. Yeah. And, well, when you're traveling, you need a phone, and and the ability to send 
to conveniently send email from a smartphone is starting to appeal to me also because you can't always find a good connection for your laptop. Yeah. Now, I definitely prefer a 17-inch screen on my laptop to any cell phone screen. That's true. But I can't even look at I can't even look at them. They're too small. Yeah. But if I have some business travel ahead of me, I do need to follow email. Yeah. And I have to admit it, that's what smartphones are good for. Uh, but my gracious, the the amount of stuff they're packing into a cell phone now, into those smartphones. Uh, again, I was browsing smartphones the other night, and three or four companies have got quad-core processors in the cell phone. I, I was impressed to see a desktop with, with a quad-core processor. Forget that. They're putting a quad-core in a in a cell phone. Uh, somebody mentioned the iPhone, uh, I, iPhone 6 Plus or something. That crazy thing takes 1080p high-definition videos, allows you to edit it on the phone, allows you to shoot slow motion in high-definition, 200 frames a, a second slow motion, Cameras that could do that used to cost a fortune. Yeah. And they're packing it into your cell phone now. Oh, everything is getting miniaturized anyways. I mean, back in the 90s when I went to the um, the uh, technology conferences when we were getting all this Internet infrastructure and stuff, all these networks into main schools and libraries, we... Um, we had these people come and speak to us, and, and one of the best presentations I remember seeing was um, one of the big executives from one of the big companies, and I forget which one now. He was showing us, basically a smartphone is what he was showing us. He said this is what people will have in the future. We watched a video. It showed exactly what smartphones do, which is that you can you know you can look up something, you can buy something using it, and that was in the 90s. So, you know, they've had this technology for a long time. They just haven't put it out in the mainstream, that's all. They have to dribble it out a little at a time so that you can spend money many for many different <laughs> in-between steps to get to it. But he, he actually took something out of his pocket and showed it, like, this is what you'll be using. It could have been a mock-up. I mean, it could have been just for a prop. But the video was showing that. Like, you walk by and you just use your phone and it charges your account. And that's exactly what's going on with these things where people say, hey, I can buy gas now with my phone. It's a, it's a chip technology, obviously. Yeah. And, well, you know, uh, they've had that all planned out for quite a long time, how they were going to do some of these things. And now Knowing how, how you have no privacy with a smartphone, I don't like the idea of banking on your phone, that on your cell phone. That makes no sense to me at all. But uh, but those other but a features. But Wi-Fi connection is the same, really. Uh, Somebody could intercept a Wi-Fi connection too. True. <laughs> I don't generally bank at a public Wi-Fi connection either. And here at home, I have Ethernet wires running all over the house, so I don't even use Wi-Fi here at the house. Yeah. Uh, See, the thing is that even even people thinking that you have any privacy or any 
security anymore is like it's not true. It's just not true. Our yeah. stuff is out there. There are programs yeah. that read everything you type, whether it's on a cable or going over the air. They're, the systems aren't safe, and they say they are, but they are not. So you're taking, you know, you're taking a risk every time you use it, even at a, an ATM, in my opinion. But I don't know for sure. Um, but they've had hacking into banks too, not just stores. So you use the card, they have your stuff. But you know, they don't have your uh, password at your yeah. website or whatever, but they have your PIN and everything. You have to have a new PIN and all this stuff. How many times have we had our cards compromised where we get a new card in the mail and a new PIN? They know it's not safe. One of the other but things. They want it to work, darn it. They want it to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of the other things that astounded me on, again, this Apple iPhone 6 Plus. I, I'm just in shock to see this on on something you carry around with you. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know what multi-tracking is in music. Uh, I mean, the yeah. the one vocalist who who excelled in that was Karen Carpenter, singing using her own voice as background vocals on all of her tunes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was expensive equipment to do that. Yeah. <laughs> as well as talented talented musicians. Well, jump ahead 30, 40 years, and there is software out there now that takes a person who can't can't carry a tune in a bucket, and it shifts the frequency of their pitch and brings them back in tune, making anybody sound like a professional singer now. That software is in the cell phone and yeah. multi-tracking capability. And the demo video I saw on, on that phone was a guy was singing harmony with himself, all done on the cell phone. So he could then zap a voice message over to his friend as an MP3 file, and he's got himself singing in harmony with himself, whatever kind of a message. And then they tie that into, uh, what do they call it, audible emails. So you yep. tell it what what voice for it, it to mimic, and you just send a text, and now the par- party on the other end hears your voice reading the text and or maybe even singing the text. Wow. That's advanced computer technology, and they're sticking quad-core processors in your cell phone to do it all <laughs> out on the road. Um, our our country has too many toys to play with here, and not enough, not enough intelligence to manage them. No. Uh, but no, I, I'm I'm still aghast at at seeing what's out there now. Uh, it's just that since I know uh, a good public connection for my laptop is not always going to be available. I do want to keep in touch with uh, with email, and I know uh, Field and David hate BlackBerry, or at least they badmouth it a lot. But yeah, shucks, that's the only cell phone that has a real keyboard on it. Everything else is a, a touchpad, and I hate that. So, uh, 
So here I go uh, admitting to the world that Desert Pete might be on a BlackBerry cell phone sometimes. So. So I know who's going to be hacking me, at least. <laughs> yep. Better the devil you know than the devil you don't know. So. Exactly. Uh, but, uh, no, those are my observations of the week. Uh, the fact that we've got flowers blooming but no bees, which makes me wonder, are we going to have flowers blooming next year if they don't get cross-pollinated? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, as I drove road to uh, to another area for prospecting today. I was seeing flowers all over the countryside out here. So, uh, well, at least that's the, a good sign. Yeah, so the rains that finally came through, uh, no doubt man-permitted due to harp, and I think it was harp causing the drought, and I think the intention was to keep radiation away from us from Fukushima. But they realized that cutting off the water was killing the state in a in a different way, and so they just let the water come back, radiation and all. So that's why I was concerned about seeing deformities in the flowers, which I haven't seen any yet. So thus far, they all look like normal flowers coming up. So a hint of good news there. So the radiations may not be coming down as, as bad as, as I had feared. So I'm hoping my business might actually have see some light at the end of the tunnel here by my middle of next April if these recent talks with a potential investor turn into reality here. But, uh, one step at a time. And, uh, yeah, exactly. That's all we can do. Anyway, that's my, my wrap-up from the, from the West Coast. Is uh, Military exercises in progress, but uh, they haven't dropped any bombs yet, so thank good it was only yeah. an exercise. Yeah, exactly. We'll have to see. I mean, if anything really big happens, other than just Hillary Clinton being exposed for, like, sending State Department emails all over the world with no one checking on them. Oh, my gosh. If you or I did that, you know where we'd be. Anyway, um, if anything big happens, I will, you know, if possible, I'll just schedule a show and come on and we can all talk about whatever's going on because I just I'm still every week I say this well not every week but close that I'm I'm just amazed that it's still going that it's still holding itself up that it's amazing the system itself should have crashed by now so you know we're not dummies we we can actually see so the momentum when it's slowing down and it is but why hasn't it crashed like man it's like just keeps fixing itself or something. I don't know. Yeah, somebody finds another Band-Aid and or another roll of duct tape, and uh, yeah, and here we are a week later, and the same old stuff is going on, and uh, yeah, and it didn't crash, so I don't know. Exactly. Uh, it, it was almost uh, my screen crashed. I can't I can't see what. Yeah, the, the chat. The are. chat. I noticed yeah. you dropped out, and somebody else did too. Uh, yeah, my computer's off. Uh, it's off talks, you know. But uh, it's kind of pleasing to see that uh, Netanyahu may be losing the election over in Israel. Uh, I mean, none of us like what Israel has been doing, doing to, especially to the Palestinians. 
but they are a country of people, and I don't want to see anybody harmed. I don't want to see rockets flying into Israel, and I don't definitely don't want to see Israel overreacting and slaughtering thousands of their neighbors. That's bad too. But uh, I think the the root of the problem in Israel at the moment is this crazy Netanyahu. Uh, he's beyond right wing nutcase. He's just dangerous to everybody, and it's kind of good to see that the the Jews themselves in Israel are waking up to that. And he might get voted out here. So that that's one possible bit of good news on the horizon over in, in the Middle East. Um, but we'll see what happens. I, I forget what day is the, is the election for him. But the, the few news stories I've been reading say that his, his days may be numbered. Oh, well, I'll have to check. I haven't paid much attention to that kind of stuff because I've been into the main stuff mostly lately. And... Um, still trying to save my empire, so I'm going to try to save my empire. Well, I uh, pray for you on that, because we both are here. Uh, t- yeah. two, two small business people from each end of the country here, and uh, well, the economy yeah. is not helping either one of us. So. Right, and I have, like, at least a little hope, because somebody's going to help me tomorrow again, which is good. I need some help before the 15th, and the 15th is Sunday. Tomorrow's Friday the 13th, so everybody look out for yourself tomorrow if you're one of those that's worried about that. But I had a, um, I had a funny exchange with the bank yesterday because I called them because I told you last week I was getting, like, big fat envelopes, and, and I was like, what the heck, you know, these people... So I decided I was going to call up and see exactly what they wanted because I was going to try to figure out what my strategy was. And I got this woman that had an unusual name. I forget what it was, and I made her spell it. Because now when I call anywhere, I always make sure I know who I'm talking to and I write their name down. So if I ever have to call again or if I need to refer to it, I'll say, I talked to so-and-so on this date at what time it was. Well, anyway, she she told me and wanted to know what she could do to help me, and I told her. I told her a lot more than she wanted to hear, probably, but it was funny because uh, when they first start talking to you and you talk to a bank, a lot of times they'll tell you, well, um, they're trying to collect a debt or whatever. So she said, so we have to tell you this, and she started the feel about how they may record the phone call for accuracy or something like that. It's an attempt to collect a debt or something like that. And so they're going to be recording it. <laughs> got done. And I got done that thing and I was I said, "I hope so." And she goes, "What?" And I said, "I hope you're recording it." <laughs> and she didn't know what to say because yeah. it was like, "Man, no one ever says that." But it was like I wanted to make the point that I wanted them to know what I was saying. So I just told her I was, you know, telling her how I felt about getting called for several weeks without anybody identifying who they were. I said, you know, when people call your house and say, this is this, you know, phone number, and I'm here from this time to this time, call me back, do you do it? (laughs) She was like, well, and I said, so I said it would be nice since I've been a customer of the bank since the 70s at the same branch that somebody would call and say who they were or maybe give me a name to call. I said, but just an announcement that this is the phone number and call me back, you know, call back this extension between these hours. I said, what kind of 
professionalism is that? I said, but I'm not expecting professionalism at this point. I mean, I just could not stop. I just kept going, you know. Like, um, so exactly what you what do you want from me? I said to her. <laughs> so she, I said something about you know I'm get I have these big fat envelopes and they're full of forms from like and I started reading the top of it. I said the housing. Uh, housing and urban development or something like that. I said, what does that have to do with my my home equity line with you, right? <laughs> Which it probably does, but I don't know. So I was just saying to her, you know, like what you would normally say to a bank back in the old days, what does this have to do with you and with me? I said, I can't even fill out this thing. I said, my life doesn't fit on that form. I can't even fill that out. So why do I have it? I said, it says on here, you know, your property is in danger of foreclosure or something and she says we're not going to foreclose on your property i said well that's good to know (laughs) i said so why does it say it then oh well we have to send that out i said do i need three of them i said one of them is made out to my late husband i said he died in 2003 oh well i apologize but we you know it was just like i completely just took over that conversation and i was laughing inside i was laughing a little bit because of the fact that it was recorded. And um, she, uh, by the time I was done talking to her, I was somewhat upset because I was just getting more infuriated. And uh, I said, I'm not mad at you, but I am really irritated with the bank. (laughs) She was like, okay. She didn't know what to say. So I said, so what you're saying is if I pay this amount by the 15th, then everything's fine. She said, yes. And I said, okay. I said, I'll see what I can do. I said, the bank actually owes me more than that, but that would be a different department, (laughs) I told her. Because when you get into those big banks, one department never knows what the other department's doing. But I know what they're doing because I talk to all the departments. So they tell me what their department's doing, and then I put two and two together. And I think that they just don't don't understand how somebody can do that because they don't do that. It's, you know, I've I've actually talked to companies before where I've told people in a different department what another department's doing because they don't know, <laughs> and it's their company. It's just, that's how they structure everything now, and I think it's kind of foolish. But <laughs> since it's not mine, I'm not running the place. <clears throat> if I were, I would do it differently. But. I've I've found out how to how to uh, get around them by doing that too because I ask them questions like well what happens next then and maybe the other department doesn't want me to know that so uh. well it would sure be nice to see some uh, some cash start to flow into the real economy so that people can afford to pay their rent. <laughs> And to get rentals, and to uh, buy new electric motor designs, like I've been working on for a long time. But uh, when all the money just gets focused on bankers and defense to buy more bombs or more outrageously priced military stuff, that's not an economy. But uh, we do what we can. And eventually, some bankers are going to wake up and uh, realize that, well, and instead of pushing minimum wage down to an insanely small amount, if people actually had money, they could actually be out buying stuff. 
and enabling other small businesses to pay their bills and, and pay back their loans and whatnot. Uh, the, this utter greed at, at the top-level management on the economy has is, is just been strangling everybody. Hopefully it'll be changed in the summer. Um, yeah, I missed we'll a little see. bit of that because it did that hard, dropped me off into the uh, abyss. Yeah, well, but I heard I just, you a little bit on the speakers. Well, just my usual rambling on, on economic problems here. Uh, okay, well, that's uh, that's the end of the, uh, the news for me. And we're at, what, three hours tonight, so I'll close off. Yeah, some of the videos I still haven't even gotten back to find again to watch. I wanted to watch Field's presentation over there in the United Kingdom. Mm. And I haven't found it. Where is it? Is it on the YouTube channel for Able Danger? I, I don't know. I haven't Did you get a chance to see any of it. I've been too busy to listen to any Able Dangers now for about a week and a half, so I'm not up on. Uh, yeah, he went went to to UK, but no, I don't know. Well, I would say check abledanger.net and uh, see if it says anything there. Um, James Kinn is saying to please give this to Pete. Because I guess because you're not in the chat, I don't know. Um, Freedompop.com. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a joke or if it's a website for news or what it is. Because I don't know if Jameskin's kidding around or what. Jameskin, are you kidding around or is it something good? <laughs> I'll look at it later and see. Uh, what, um, what's it again? Freedom Pop. Freedom Pop. Freedom P O P, and it's all one word. Dot com. Guest 8 says, thanks, Pete. What else is in here that you're not seeing? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm blind to chat, chat here as of the last 20 minutes. Yeah, it, it it's glitchy. It's been glitchy all the past couple weeks, actually, for everybody. So um, let's see. Who can we give a plug for? Aroostook Watchman on Saturday morning, I believe. Um, talk to archives for that for now. I don't know whether they're going to be doing a live show on Saturdays or recording something to put up for the, until Jack figures out what he's going to do next. Um, and Northern Maine Landman will be following on Saturdays, I believe. So I believe it's still 8 to 9 and 9 to 10. For No, is that right? Yes, 8 to 9 and 9 to 10, I think, on Saturdays. Um, and... Um, he had set up something for donations, I think, but I forget the name of that website. It had um, a way where you could give like a dollar, I think, per episode or something. I wasn't really sure how that worked. I figured if he showed up on here, we could ask him, but he hasn't been here for a while. So I might ask him and see if I can find out for next week. But in order to support some of the things they're doing, to be able to just get even a dollar per episode would be good. It would really be helpful, especially if people are listening to things over and over again. Um, I mean, from other weeks, not just one week. I'm not sure how it works exactly. Like if you made a pledge or if you pay so much a month or what it was supposed to be. But it was going to be helping support them. But I don't know if he's still going to try to do that or not. Um Able Danger I haven't heard this week because I haven't had time. 
I might have listened to it Monday a little bit. I can't remember now. Yeah, I'm uh, real curious but, if if they actually uh, take possession of that uh, that bizjet that they were talking about. The ranch right. down in Texas. Uh, and the ranch, yeah. What was the other thing? Uh, a business jet, a, a Falcon. Oh, 20. oh, I didn't hear about it. Yeah, that was a Falcon 20, which I was not familiar with, made by Dassault, oh, oh. which is another company I'm not familiar with. Uh, I, I looked the plane up, and it appears to have transatlantic range. Yeah, you you had mentioned it last week because I listened to the rest of my show this morning, and I heard you say it, and I said I didn't know what you meant. I because you said had I heard about it, that must have been what you were talking yeah. about then. Yeah. yeah, I don't know anything about that. Uh, well, that'd be great if they get a hold of it. I remember Field specifically mentioning that it was a, an older model. And that uh, the present owner put $800,000 worth of repairs and upgrades into bringing everything current on it. And they're asking a selling price of only $100,000 over that. Yeah. Uh, So obviously somebody wants out of it. And I have my own concerns about older aircraft. But... uh, I think Field knows how to shop airplanes better than I do, uh, so it might actually be a bargain. And as long as you're not going to go flying around the country and visiting, <laughs> wouldn't that be funny? Well, if a business situation opened up that you needed to to get over to to Europe for something important, uh, I'd rather fly with Field as pilot than uh, than any Boeing. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Oh, uh, yeah, I I agree. And I'm afraid to fly anyway, so it's like I just yeah. figured I'd never fly again in my life. But Well, you know. I stopped several years ago, both yeah. for economic reasons and I just don't like Department of Homeland Security. I don't want to mess with that. I was afraid of it anyway because I hadn't done it. And when my brother died in a plane crash, it was a plane he built, so it was like, you know, he... I, I still often wonder, though, whether or not he and the person that was in the plane with him were killed on purpose because of all the stuff we've heard since, you know, yeah. recently. Because he, um, he, I didn't have contact with my brother a lot towards the end of his life because he lived in Texas. But he used to call like once or twice a year and catch up, but we really didn't know each other as adults. We knew each other as children. And then I sort of just knew him off and on on the phone, basically, after that. But he had some friends that were who I would call high-level people. And I don't know why. I don't know if he had some kind of um, separate work he was doing, like, you know, that maybe have been of an intelligence nature. I don't know for sure. But he lived in Central America for a while. That was odd. Most of us don't do that. Um, And he just, he loved flying and he wanted to be in the Air Force but couldn't get in because of his eyesight. So he was in the Navy and he worked in reconnaissance. So he didn't fly the planes, but he was in them. And when he was building this plane, he was so proud of it. He loved it. He did all kinds of electronic things. And, um, you know, so I saw pictures of it and all that kind of thing. And I would have, he was 
so meticulous about things like that. I'm looking right at his picture right now because there's a photo of him here. But um, he was so meticulous about those kinds of things that his his kit plane that he built was like used for the photos in like websites about the kit plane too because his thing, his work was so nice. And I would have gotten in a plane with him as afraid to fly as I was. I would have gotten in a plane with him any time. I would have had complete confidence in him. Yet, the day that he died, the plane took off and came straight down into a field, nosedived. And he and the guy that was in it with him, because it had dual controls, were killed instantly, both of them. They were like in their early 50s. And so at the time, I thought, well, what a freak thing to happen, because it wasn't even bad weather or anything. But now that I know about all the things that go on with, you know, technology and uh, sabotage and insurances and let's kill our enemies kind of stuff, I had to wonder, you know, he, was he or the guy that was with him involved in something where they didn't want him around anymore? It could have been that they killed him. I don't know. What did the official investigation uh, uh, claim? Um, I never heard from the family down there. We weren't weren't real close. I mean, we knew he died and everything, but what I started out to say was I was too afraid to fly to go to his funeral. So I never even got to go to his funeral because I was too afraid to go, <laughs> get on an airplane to go there. And so I don't even know where my brother's buried, which is kind of weird. But um, I looked it up a few years ago, and I think it just was, you know, one of those things where they study it for a year and then just say, oh, well, we don't know what happened. Malfunction. <laughs> you know, I don't think there was anything really definitive about it or, you know, anything that couldn't have been faked, actually. You know, a report can be faked. Something happened to it, but why? Why did something happen to it? You know, yeah. it, was a, it was one of these small planes with, like, the bubble dome on the top so you could see real well. Okay. From a, I forget what the name of it was. Um, I want to say Zodiac. Is there something that's called a Zodiac? Several out there, but I'm, built, I'm not built. up on the names. I don't know. Sometime if I come across that paper, I printed it out, and I know it's online somewhere, but my brother has a really common name. So it would be look, like looking up John Smith or something. Mm-hmm. So... It's very hard to find things about anybody in the family when you have a common name, you know. <clears throat> That's one thing that Google doesn't help. <laughs> it it does if your name's unusual, like Christine Marcy spelled with a K. But if you have a common name, it doesn't. Yeah. You can't find things very easily. I don't see um, Cookie as, as a last name very often, though. But uh... <laughs> Excuse me? I don't see Cookie, Cookie as the last name very often, though. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, we have, um, for those of you that don't know, we have somebody at Able Danger who does genealogy research, and his nickname is Mensa Max. And he always says, tell me your grandparents' names, and I'll give you a, you know, I'll look up your family history for you. And I just don't, I try to keep an anonymous status, exactly. whatever. So I, I told him one time, I go, well, how are you going to give me the genealogy of the cookie family? 
Yeah, it's not my real name. <laughs> exactly. And I don't have red hair either. Everybody thinks I have red hair because the ginger personality has red hair, but no, it's not. I don't have red hair. But yeah, well, you know, it's it's by courtesy that field allows it, and since I've put links up to some of my videos, I'm not ashamed of my own real name either and I have I allow that out on the internet but yeah when I as far as the work I do with Able Danger I have graciously accepted my my nickname of Desert Pete simply because the information that I was passing on the field was extremely high level yeah straight from the horse's mouth in in a few situations and those people's names don't dare get made public because they are one of the few good guys in the mess. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I was concerned about their safety is why I said, well, all right, here's some important information. It comes from the horse's mouth, but uh, let's not identify exactly which horse in the stable we're talking about here. Yeah. Uh, well, and so, look, I mean, just from us talking, what is the, you know, what are the chances that we would have had any connection in the stories because they were so localized and with such few people, but yet we found one, and that was with that Laurel Canyon connection with the music music world out there and all oh, that. Oh, yeah. You know, how bizarre. I mean, really just from us talking we found that connection and it just it blows my mind sometimes about how these things are dropped in our lap almost it's like you're supposed to talk about that because he's going to tell you something and um even though the person wasn't the exact person you were talking about that night the one that i thought you might be talking about was there it was somebody else that was there yeah. with the same first name and lived in that house, the same house. Well, it again, blew my mind. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. It's a small world. And, and the person doesn't live in Maine, that guy. He doesn't live in Maine. As far as I know, he has not lived in Maine. He he lives, I think he's in California now, living out there still. But, I mean, uh, how yeah. funny. Well... <laughs> A continuation of that thought. Uh, my friend uh, that I was hoping could could join us tonight for another new name in the in the chat board. Yeah. Uh, well, connections over on the other side of the Atlantic aren't getting through from talk show tonight. Yeah. Which is kind of strange. I'm not I, I I was <laughs> going from my computer on on Yahoo Messenger and having no trouble, but yeah. they couldn't get on to talk show. I'm so, not surprised. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if things are getting cut off a little at a time so it just looks like there's something wrong with the network and you stop thinking they should work anymore. You know, like, oh, well, Europe doesn't work anymore. Because we used to have people come and listen from Europe. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, no, this, this particular is a person is a, is a, a new friend, and you talk about coincidences. This person is from the United States, from California to be more specific, and yet yeah. they're traveling over in areas of the other side of the world that are, oh, I've yeah. had some issues with some people over in that exact part of the world, and <laughs> you have actual honest business over there? 
Wow. Yeah, really. How did that happen? Oh. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. So uh, it's, just, it's strange to me how how some of these things just you know. Well, as as Field keeps uh, stressing, and I have to go along with him. God is the master chess player, and it's amazing what yeah. what pieces he brings together at times from far ends of the chessboard here. Uh, to meet in the middle. So, yeah, if uh, if Ginger and Desert Pete can ever make it to a Plum City plunge, uh, yeah, really, barring interruptions, then uh, well, shucks, if Able Danger has its own private plane and pl- plenty of money, he's going to have to go fl- bopping it around the country, picking us all up. <laughs> hey, really? Well, so. I haven't even I haven't even asked my friend about her brother living out there in that house because. I don't want to get too close to it. I don't want to... Yeah. If I get the opportunity to say something sometime or if she's talking about it, I'll say, did you tell me this? Like, in other words, like, she might have said it to me. I will ask her and see if she volunteers anything because I just find it so amazing that he lived in that house. Because <laughs> who would live in the house where that happened? I wouldn't want to live there. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was after. I mean, when did that happen? That was like, do you remember what year it was? The Sharon Tate murders? Oh, boy. Late 60s, early 70s? Yeah, it might, I think it was after. Somewhere in that realm. Like, what the heck? Who would want to live there after that? It's so bizarre. But anyway, I know that it was a place where a bunch of people were... Um, collecting there. They were congregating and they were all in the same industries and stuff, so it was a group that knew each other pretty well. Find that odd. There weren't that many though in that time period. What do you think? Maybe twenty to thirty? Doesn't seem like there were that many. Strange. James Skin wants me to tell you something, too. Um, That website that he gave you is uh, for free, unlimited talk and text cell phone service. Oh, okay. So I guess check it out and see if it's something you could use. All right, Freedom Pop. Okay. All right, we'll take a look at that then. All righty. Okay, well, good program again. So we'll uh, we'll catch up with you next week then. All right, thanks for calling in. Okay, good night for now. All right, good night. We're still uh, working on that um, time change and everything. It's funny because it has like almost a paradoxical effect. We sprung ahead, so it should be that Right now, instead of being 10 minutes of 11, it should feel like 10 minutes of 10, but it doesn't. It feels like 10 minutes of midnight. It ha- it makes you feel like just the opposite. But anyway, so pretty tired, but we had a good show, I think, and hopefully you got something out of it. Um, I'm just going to continue on what I've been doing, which is I'm going to keep watching the same people and see who they're talking to and what they're saying about people and try to figure out what their agenda is, because some of them say it and some of them don't say it. But sometimes you see it just by watching. So I'm going to wish you all a good week and um, hope everything goes well for everyone this week. And let's hurry spring along. We 
pretty much done with winter now. Time for things to be getting nicer. And when that happens, people's attitudes change and their moods change and things start to look a little better. And, and uh, that's, that's always helpful, too. So we don't feel downtrodden as much. All right. Um, thank you for everyone that does all the hard things behind the scenes. Thank you all so much, and thank you for coming. And um, keep in touch. My email is gingercookie87 at yahoo.com. Send me email if you see something you think I should see. Okay? And I'll talk to you again next week. Have a good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.